So, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, whenever you listen to this. This is Match Media alongside Critique Paddy Crime, Ricardo Medina. Hello, hello, hello. And this is another episode of BS Beats and Bailey. At the time of this recording, it is Easter weekend and yeah. lots of stuff going on about the place. Like right now, at the time of this recording, about a couple of blocks from where I live, there's a family day going on. So, thank goodness we're not hearing the, the BC soccer music that's been, that was being blasted literally the whole day. Uh, but we're going strong, though. We have a lot of stuff to talk about, right? Just to start things off one time, right? Let me talk a little bit about Coachella, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah I... Uh, I haven't been watching it, watching it, to see. I mean, I just get a little catch clips. I catch clips of Rose. Mm-hmm. Uh, catch a couple other live performances. I see um, Kanye has had some shit, shit going on today, I think, or yesterday. I can't remember. Yeah, I, I think, well, yeah, uh, I believe it happened today. At the, at the time it was recorded, I and Yeah, it's today because, you know, chill Sunday, you know, all that stuff, right? Um, right. But I haven't checked the YouTube channel as yet, I saw like a little glimpse of things, but I was just kind of busy doing all kind of other stuff, right? But um, specifically, right. I want to talk about this, like the week one of Coachella. So at least saw like a few performances. I saw the majority of Anderson Pack and the Nationals' performance. Thought that was excellent. I really need to check out yeah. his Ventura project. I hear a lot of great things about that. I saw the majority of Gene Smith's performance. It was really cool. When he performed Icon, oh. it, was, it was badass. Loved it. Uh, Summer Boy, JPEG Mafia perform. It was dope. Uh, Clips of Rose. Yes, I, I watched it. I I actually didn't really scream as such, but I did get a little worried when I saw her trip and fall. I was like, oh my God, look what yeah. happened. I like how she just played into the, the performance. Like, yeah, young just, boy, yeah. knock me down. Young yeah, boy, yeah. knock me down. That was, that was, that was, that was funny, actually. Um, but on the subject of that, just quickly, you know, that is a huge achievement. Uh, not just for us, you know, as Trinidadians, as Trinidadians, sorry, but for Calypso Rose herself, you know, in this case, her being the oldest performer at this year's Coachella. You know, she was 78. She turned 79 this week, actually, or I should say last right. week, in times recorded. Uh, so, you know, it's just really amazing that she made it there. Of course, Marshall, you know, props to him. Glad that he was there, too. Uh, you know, so I just hope that it just kind of paves the way for other local artists to, to show up. One person I kind of rooted for to get there um, some way, somehow, is Nana Blackman, because she just has that yeah. crossover appeal with her voice and you know the style of her music and whatnot. She has the best chance right now. Not No disrespect to you know any other soca stars right now, but she has the biggest chance right now, because she just has that... Um, she has current. You know, she, her style is what's yeah. trending right now, you know, and that's a clever... You know, call on her on, on her part. You know what I mean? Just choosing that style of music. You know that kind of EDM influenced style of singing and whatnot. Just going straight with it. So you know, just hoping that other artists make it. And you know, in, in my case, I don't know about you. I know, boy. I I had a had a, had a hit a Coachella one day, but in my life, shit. Like I just need right. to be well, there, I, to be I, the crowd and see this shit. You know. I it's something I never really surprisingly never hyped myself to get to. Um, I don't know. Is that just me? Um. But yeah, you know, if I can pull it, yeah, if you can do it one day. I always always care about um what is um Austin film stuff more than that as a young person thing. Oh god, was he thinking of being Austin film? Oh um South by Southwest. South by Southwest, right. I'm more, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah, more yeah. I'm more interested in that than Coachella than anything. But um and I've really yeah, but yeah. Yeah, if, you know, if you get a chance here, maybe yeah, but else I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, so on the subject of that, uh, we want to talk about two films, actually. So uh, the first one being a documentary that was shot last Coachella. Um, this was during the, the much-publicized um, 
performance by Beyonce. And, you know, this is something I didn't even know about till after watching the documentary Homecoming, which is directed by Beyonce Knows Herself, is that she was the first African-American female artist to headline Coachella. Right. Like, I did not even know that until this documentary here. And to be honest, um, me not being the biggest Beyonce fan in the world, like I acknowledge her music, I acknowledge her role in terms of yeah. today's music. Um, right. I, but I wouldn't really call myself the biggest, um, the biggest Beyonce fan. Like you know, like like many other people, I was introduced to them through the singles um, that he that she put out when she was with Destiny's Child. Um, yeah, right, you know, right. back in the in the late nineties to early two thousands, um, I saw when the band broke up. You know, they just kind of moved on to do other things, and you know, it's just that you know Beyonce just exploded with Dangerously yeah. and Love the album. You know, the the track Crazy in Love, the collab with well then boyfriend turned husband jay-z you know how that blew up and all that kind of stuff the collabos with um with sean paul and uh yeah. i was gonna say rihanna um shakira and just so much artists though uh but really what sold me um what what really sold me as in terms of beyonce being a real artist was not when she put out the self-titled album Beyonce, um, like many people did. You know that was the the album which had Drunken Love. I remember that being a big hit. I wasn't really too, you know, I would I would I would I would really call myself the biggest fan of that track. Like, I can understand it, but it's kind of forced and goofy, especially with the way how she sings there at that whole surfboarding. You know what I mean? But it's still it's still a dope song. You know and I mean, it's it's a fun. Kind of ridiculous track when you think about it, you know what I mean? But it's there and it's you know serviceable, right? But for me, what really sold it was when she dropped Lemonade Boy. That was when I was yes. like, all right, all right, all right. Beyonce is a real artist, though. Not to say that she right. never was before, but for me, it was just like, all right, club songs, bed songs, you know, typical R&B shit. But here, it was just so raw and so personal, you know, and this was around the time when she was going through the whole, well, the whole infidelity thing with Jay-Z and just all right. the stuff that was just going on in, well, in her life and whatnot. And she just pour all that into one album and I came out of it like, yeah, yeah, this 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 is a classic, man. This is a classic album. It was so great that, that even Adele, right, who won the Grammy for that what the category? I think it was for album of the year that Lemonade was now um, nominated for. She won for that, right? I think it's for what it is, 24, whatever the name of the album is. Sorry, not the biggest Adele fan or whatnot. But even she herself come out and say, hey, Beyonce deserved that. You know, she 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 was supposed to win that. Right, Lemonade right, was right. just such a superior album compared to hers, you know. Even she and all had to admit, yeah, yeah, Queen B, you know what I mean? She actually make, make a classic, and I, I totally 100% um, agree with her. So, jumping into the movie here one time, um, Homecoming, right? So, this was um, this took place during last year's Coachella. Uh, pretty yeah. much, it was two performances that she did um, back-to-back. Well, I should say right. day, uh, day by day, right? And I love, first of all, how the, the movie cuts from one performance to the next, right? right? So, yeah, it's literally, yeah. Yeah, li- literally so seamless, like one yeah. move it's or like one shot like kind of move to the next one and just yeah. so seems really perfect yeah. it, it kind of reminds me of um remember chris rock had a had a, a like a stand-up performance like this uh there's some special and it was in brooklyn london and johannesburg i think 
I remember cut. that. Um, I think it was on yeah. HBO where, where I saw that. Uh, I think it was like four performances and how they cut that right. up down here. Yeah, I love that. The tree, if I remember correctly, but yeah. It oh, was, tree, yeah. okay. So, okay. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was just cutting between the tree as if because it's basically the same bits and he's like, you know, cutting between each of the bits and moving from location to location effectively. Um, yeah, and I um, I remember it. this was kind of like that for me. Just, just every, yeah, these really, really smart cuts smooth transition i mean you're, the only time you're picking things up is like oh right she changed performance or her hair a little different stuff like that well the here's the thing i didn't even know this was going to happen eh? because um i went to completely blind um i actually forgot that beyonce performed last year coach like i i don't know it just didn't really right. register with me back then right um i know for some people it's like oh yes the performance was so great and you know well it was streamed live on youtube and we saw it and we loved it and oh my god netflix has put out a documentary about it so we get to see it again you know yeah. or at least for yeah. people like me who just forgot about it i get to see this thing for the first time right so when she performs crazy in love the setup for this right that's how it builds um and by the way you know the there's um tons of dancers and more particularly um more particularly musicians like um, horns and you know drums and whatnot so um and we see later on where you know she got these um these artists from basically the uh from universities right from black universities right in the united states and she just got the best of the best and put them on stage right so i just love how you know the the, the um the intro for crazy love setup with just these musicians on stage and dancers doing their thing but is when Beyonce actually does a particular move, right? And then it cuts the horn. Like, the horn just blares, right? And I just yeah. see f- she switches from uh, more, basically, a yellow top to a, a pink top. I was yeah, like, wait, what? And I rewind the thing and I realize, oh, shit. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Oh, okay. Two performances going on at the same time now. Like, it didn't yeah, click with really me when the, when the movie began, but it's when that performance happened. It's how, just how seamless it was done. I was just like, oh, all right, this is what we're going yeah, yeah. for. Okay, but um, go, going along with, with, the, with the documentary. So, yes, as we said, this is based off of the performance. Um, she called it Homecoming, you know, which is, of course, a tribute to, you know, the, you know to, to the university life, you know, um, um, especially with performances, uh, especially with, like, with the drum line and, you know, the, um, the dancers yeah. and all that stuff. So it's just really a tribute to that. And it's just, you know, just black talent on, on, on stage, just the best black talent that um, Beyonce could get her hands on and it's just right there in front of your face, right? But I was telling myself, all right, we get any hits. Okay, I love any performance. Um, Beyonce, you know, um, as far as singing goes, as far as dancing goes, as far as just her personality on on stage goes, I mean, it's just undeniably flawless in my opinion. I mean, she could do no wrong in my eyes. She is Beyonce right now. Unless you just don't like she because you find she's too sexualized or whatever, then you know, none of these things will really appeal to you. But no denying when she's on stage, she owns that shit, right? But I was telling myself, all right, I'm hoping that this show is not just going to be greatest hits by Beyonce. I hope it's not going to be that, right? I want right. more out of it. I want a reason for me to actually to really connect and care with it, right? And then you get these um, these behind the scenes, um, behind the scene footage um, sequences basically spliced in between... Um, certain sec- um, sections of the performance. I was like, all right, no, no, it's going to hit me now. Um, what I love about, about these sections here is that it's not just about Beyonce herself. It's about everyone who is involved in the production of this. Because uh, for one thing, 
the the um the preparation for this was about roughly eight months. You know what I mean? And right. every okay. every dance step, every piece of music, the sequencing of the songs, they were all scripted and just put together like from early. You know what I mean? And they just practice the hell out of the thing over and over and over. They make sure that everything was was perfect, right? And you know when you're watching this thing now, when you're watching the when you when I, like for somebody like me watching this thing, um, watching the film, you know I wouldn't even pick up on the hard work that went into it. Now. So I really love that they have the moments where it's just like, all right, yeah, everybody did their own thing. There was no half assery going on at all. Everybody did their part. You know what I mean? Whether it's the guy in the back, you know, playing the drums, or whether it's the guy who's just doing the whole kind of, you know, um. I forget what you call that style of um, break dancing, basically, but where you kind of, you know, break your bones and, you know, you twist your arms and all that kind of stuff. Everything uh, was just... Sorry? Crumping? Is it crumping, by um, It's part of crumping. I know it's part of crumping. Uh, I don't know if I, if I have a particular term for it, but for now, let's just say crumping, right? Yeah. Um, by the way, I haven't yeah, seen I that, that documentary. Well, it uh, about crumping. Um, that was a great yeah, documentary, yeah. by the way, right? But uh, yeah, yeah. continuing. So, I love that you oh, got the whole... Yeah, popping and locking, basically, right? But it's okay. kind of them kind of breaking the bones and being able to twist their arms off. I just kind of forgot the actual term, but you call it popping okay. and locking for now, right? Yeah, forgive us. We right. all and we, we know about dancing, right? Whoever, right? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but um, I love that you got to see those behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, I know for some people, they might complain that there's not enough of it. But I say to hell with it when it comes out on Blu-ray, which I definitely gonna buy if it does come out. By the way, it kind of needs to. Right. By the way, um, you'll get more stuff, right? But it's enough for you, as done in mostly like montage style. So it's enough for you to be like, all right, I get now. And I love how you got to see the camaraderie between the dancers and the, and the musicians and Beyonce. You know, it's not like it's some kind of uh, military style. Even though there are yeah. sections where some of the dancers dress in military garb, especially women, but it's not like, oh, this is my show and I'm going to tell you what to do and I'm going to make you feel unhappy, but you're going to do this because I am Beyonce, you know what I mean? No. It right. was a labor of love. You could tell that everybody was feeding off each other. Everybody worked hard, even Beyonce. And this is another thing that I love about this show here. Um, so that I completely forgot about, and that is that she was supposed to perform at the 2017 Coachella, but unfortunately, um, not unfortunately, I should say, but uh, she was pregnant, you know, with the twins, right, right? right? And because of that, she gained weight. She was 218 pounds and she had to lose that between, and it's like her losing weight, her again, fit again, and then working on this show at the same time and then having to go back to her kids, to her husband and all that stuff. So it was, it was, it was stressful. It was stressful on her. Yeah, and you saw it, right? But it didn't stress too much on it. You saw it through like, you know, certain shots, you know, the um, handheld, um, basically a sort of 8mm style looking handheld um, uh, photography and stuff that was going on, you know, filming and whatnot. I just enough for you to, to understand what's going on. And then, yeah, you know, the ice on the cake now is that you get these um, these recorded interviews of Beyonce and she's just talking about the process, you know, the creative process, what she's going through, what everybody else is going through. And you see that, right? Um, but really, the majority of the show is about the performance, and I totally understand that because the performance as yeah. a whole is just fucking amazing. This is undoubtedly one of the best concert performances I've ever seen in my life, and yeah, I would say that Homecoming is one of the best concert films ever made. Ever made. I, I, I call it right now. 
I put this yeah. with Last Waltz, which, yes, my boy, uh, Matt Scorsese did. You know, um, forget, you know, the, 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 um, the Miley Cyrus slash Hannah Montana and Justin Bieber, Never Seen Never. Forget all that shit. I talk about the classics, right? I talk about, like, Give Me Shelter. I talk about, like, Woodstock, Stop Making Sense. Those movies, right? This one, this movie here, Homecoming, deserves to be within that that rank of just of just like best concert films ever made. Uh, agree or disagree, Ricardo? Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is pretty up there for me. Again, not a Beyonce fan, but just really appreciated just the level of work and thing. I, I remember going to see Beyonce when she came here. Ah, um, uh, yes, remember? yes. I remember you. you remember, I remember you. Um, you told me that. Yeah. And it, right. And um, what was so impressive is just the just the, again to see the machinery in work now. And because you know that she have, you know, Trinidadian connections slash diaspora, maybe uh, in, in her camp, yeah, for her to have full knowledge of parlance, then to make it part of the show and then make it a surprise at the same time. Like, it's, it was just seamless on how immediately they did that in the performance. And the whole place exploded when she did that. Uh, yeah, you can't, you can't be mad at that. Um, yeah, I fully agree with you on this whole thing. Again, the, the, big, the big sticking point in this was just the editing. Um, yes, yes, yes. Editing the editing was so, was so um, well done. How it, how yeah. it um, segues from one, like even mid-song, you know, it will go from one performance, well, one show, sorry, to the next. And it's all done so well, you know, it, it, whether it's just the timing of the of the beats or, you know, where, um, where Beyonce moves or where dancer moves and whatnot, you know. It's just so well done. Um, a few other things I just want to say before I get to written. Um, but yeah, really and truly, I just love the performance. It had me tapping my toes, it had me nodding my head. Yeah. Later on, you got to hear some oldies. I was like, holy shit, I haven't heard these songs in ages, though. I ain't even a big Beyonce fan, but you know, just those songs and how they were heavy on radio and, yeah. and TV. It's like, yeah, I mean, those songs still hold up, you know what I mean? Um, I love the moment where Jay Z come on came on stage. Sorry, um, I love right. well, slight spoiler where Destiny Shah came on stage. When that moment yeah. happened, I was like, oh, oh, all right. Yeah. Okay, okay. I, I, I loved that section, by the way, the Beyonce, um, the Destiny Child section. Loved every second of it. Um, glad to see, you know, Ke- <laughs> Kelly Rowland and Michelle Williams on stage just doing their thing, but, you know, just seeing them together, you know, in a long while after all these years, just like, God damn, if, if only that group yeah. didn't. Then you know pathways, but um, and we also yeah. got to see Solange as well too. You know what I mean? Even though yes, I know Solange yeah, is doing her musical thing right now, and yeah, she, I like she, her. She liking her music, but seeing her dance with actually dance right with her uh, older sister, that, that was yeah. just beautiful. That was beautiful. It was just so much fun, you know. Yeah, I uh, know. Yeah, she um, Solange doing she thing. I mean, the new album is actually pretty good. Um, yeah, I haven't I, listened to it as yet. I, 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 I hear a lot of great things yeah. about it. I ain't jogging to it yet, but you know it bumped every day. Um, right, right. I enjoyed her last project. Her last project was was really dope. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Um, but really and truly, what what makes this thing sell for me? You know, it's not just showing off like, oh, I'm Beyonce. Look at me. You know, what I mean, uh, it's really about the the subtext, what she's really seeing. Because yes, it is unapologetically feminist. You know, what I mean, the songs that she chose, the sexuality that she you know exudes on stage and whatnot. Um, the songs that she chose, especially like um, from Lemonade, for um, uh, in, in particular, you know, tracks like um, uh, Formation and Sorry, and you know, those songs like right. that. You know, what I mean, um, but really though, it's about 
it's about black culture. It's just really her showing that on stage. You know, what I mean, just getting the best, you know, musicians, you know, from universities, um, getting the best dancers, and just showing off pure black music, black culture. You know, what I mean, uh, yeah. you know, whether it's ratchet, whether it's classy, whether it's kind of bougie, it's everything that you know about Beyonce. It's, it's all there. You know, what I mean, and it's just black pride at the end of the day. And one thing I really loved about the the show is that uh, period periodically, sorry, you will hear vocal snippets from, you know, uh, from um, iconic uh, African-American females. You know, you heard Maya Angelou. You heard right. even even her McGill, um, Denai Guerrero. You know what I mean? She had a little vocal snippet there. You know what I mean? Just kind okay, of blink right. in the missing moment. Um, even my, my next girl, your girl, Tessa Thompson. You heard a little right. voiceover from her too. It's like, oh, okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> that was really good. Um, even heard your boy, um, Cornell West, you know what I mean? Talking about... Right. Uh, the, the black struggle, all that kind of stuff, you know. So it's just a celebration of all of that. And it's not in this heavy-handed, you know, um, beat you over the head to get the point message. It's just this is who we are, you know. We like as African Americans, as black people, you know. What I mean, we could make it. We could show that off and re- just really excel at what it is we do. Whether you are a backup singer, whether you are a dancer, whether you you just play drums, you know. What I mean, you could just shine and just be the best at what you do. And that, at, the, at, at its core, is really the message of, of Homecoming. So at the end, I came out of it exhilarated as hell, uh, but also felt very inspired too, you know what I mean? Like, still, I won't call myself the biggest Beyonce fan. I won't, like, you know, quote um, bars or recite lyrics, you know, like, the, like you know, a majority of our fans. But I've, I'm familiar with, like, nearly all of the songs that were in the lineup here. But it didn't matter. It was just about the energy of it, how she performed, and of course the audience and how they were just lapping every single moment of it. There's one scene with this <laughs> is there the end where um, Beyonce had to dab her face because she was getting all hot, and she throws the cloth over at this guy, this big fat guy who was in front. I was just like, oh my god, oh my god! Did <laughs> we just pass over? It's like, yeah, but the girl just dabs herself. No, and like, yeah, but imagine yeah. he had to be. Oh my god, I'm not even gonna watch this again. It has Beyonce sweated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, but just seeing how the audience reacted is how they were singing each and every single song that she performed. No, it's just it's just amazing to me, boy. But the inspiration really comes in the fact that it's that she gave you know um, these performers a chance to do their thing. Whether it's dancing or music or, or you know singing or music and whatnot, it gave them a chance. It wasn't like they were some big, you know, celebrities already, you know. But she just handpicked them. They work hard. She worked just as hard as them, and they just pulled off a superb show. And we got to see every moment on state on um in this documentary here. And yeah, I really love this play. I I would put this as top ten right now as as best movies of 2019 for sure. So for me, like I, I would. While in my head I wanted to give this a, a, a full five out of five way, but because I'm not the biggest, 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 biggest Beyonce fan, and I don't like worship the ground that she walks on, um, I can in good conscience play it there. But I will put it as a strong four and a half out of five boy. This is one of the best concert films I've seen ever in my life. And that's coming from somebody who hasn't even watched a majority of them. But yeah, this needs to be put um put you know, among so many greatest have been that, that have been ever made. Um, this this performance, this movie, made a believer ultimate. I was like, all right, this is what the hype was about, and I got to see so every Matthew. minute of it. And then also to yeah. hello, yeah, Matthew, you're part of the beehive, no, right? I I I guess so. I I, I guess so. I guess so. The, the, the movie did that to me. 
a little bit, yeah. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like you know, like if if lemonade was enough, now homecoming make my official party behave now. And oh. yes, I have the album to listen to. There's a live album for it. That is going to be on my to listen list right now. It's on my phone. Who knows? It might be jogging music right now. I heard that some of the cuts, you know, make some great gym music. I heard that. I heard that. So, right. so yeah. So this this is definitely one I'm going to be bumping. Yeah, for a while, man. So yeah, if yeah. you haven't seen this guy, it's on Netflix. You have no excuse. Go see it. This is one of the best movies of 2019. Yes, I call it. This is one of the best. Right? Beyonce, yeah. knock it, knock it out the park. Um, oh yeah. So one last thing I want to say before before we get to, to your rating is that I hear that you have a couple more Netflix projects in the works. I don't know what okay. they're going to be about. I don't know. Maybe it's like process. Like maybe she working on a new album, perhaps, or maybe it's like you know behind the scenes well, of the family life or something. That. I don't know. But she, maybe she drop an album at the same time. Huh? Yeah, yeah, I, I know, I know. Um, well, the the actual live album for this, but I don't know what these projects are about. But yeah, I, I get excited to see what she what she does next. Not just for Netflix, right. but just in her career, man. So yeah, consider be a part of the Beehive now. I love this movie. I love this movie. Go see it as soon as you can. So right, right yeah. Right, any any last thoughts on Homecoming? Yeah, no, I, I fully appreciated this what it was. I mean, I, as I say, if I was a Beyonce fan, I'd be like really screaming about this and talking about it all the time. But I'm not. Um, but I just, but I just really appreciated what it was again. Editing, just music, solid business for me. Yeah, yeah, get us a pretty high score, like a solid eight out of ten. Um, I don't deny that FSA is one of the best of the year because yeah, it was really impressive. Yeah, and pretty early, but yeah, this probably would be ranking them more than likely. Right. So keeping with Coachella for a bit. Right. So now so we gotta now cut to now we gotta cut to twenty nineteen now and um. So we were here in Through the Grapevines. We saw a little trailer of it. Um, this was a film called Guava Island, right? Yeah. Um, it's directed by one of my favorite directors. Well, when it comes to TV shows, um, Hiro Murai. I should say yeah. not just for TV shows, but for music videos as well. Because, yeah, yeah. He, he works with Childish Gambino. He did the the excellent um, Good Grief video for the sweatshirt, yeah. by the way. If you haven't checked it out, go check it out. Um, but, yeah, you know, as far as just... His directorial eye, you know. I mean, I think that he is one yeah. of the best in the game right now. So, yeah, he does. Um, he did Atlanta and then he did, um, well, this is America, of course. Um, yes, the, the, the music video for that, right? So, on the subject of that, yes, this is, um, well, along with, with Hero, uh, Hero's um, feature directorial debut, um, this right. is a, I want to call it a passion project, uh, featuring B Boy Donald Glover, aka Challenge Gambino, yeah. right? So, you right. um, saw the trailer for this. Had Rihanna in it. I was like, all right. Um, and this is like a sort of a Caribbean setting. Not too sure what was going on. Um, right. the, the, the trailer just kind of came and went for Mina. But it was only like um, the week of Coachella, week one, that was announced that um, Gover Island was going to be shown on Amazon Prime. So, right. all right, I'll say, okay, I'll check it out eventually. But to my surprise now, the Saturday night of the first week of Coachella, they was practically running the movie. Like, uh, I think it was around 8 o'clock now. Um, well, training time. They was running the movie. I say, all right, I don't want to spoil it. Let me avoid it. So I'll watch it later on. And I'm not too sure if he performed before or after. But yeah, Donald Glover, you know, did a little performance um, on the same night, I believe it was. But unfortunately, I didn't get around to, to checking that out. But yeah, uh, so this, like we say, is a passion project. Uh, from um, Donald Glover and Hiro Murai. Um, I was actually surprised that it wasn't a feature per se. It's more like, you know, in film festival terms, you know, once it goes over half hour or 45 minutes or whatever, you call it a feature, right? 
So yeah, yeah this yeah. movie is like what fifty six minutes roughly. Yeah. yeah. So like, all right, I was thinking that this was going to be an hour and a half or something, or hour and twenty minutes, but it's under an hour. Okay, what is this about? Uh, well, so <laughs> Ricardo, you want to take it away? You want to let, you want to let us uh, know what Guava Island is about? Right. So it's about well, Donald Glover. I, I I forget the characters' names in this because this was all right. Kinda... So, so, so he so he plays. Deny um, or Denny, he plays Denny, sorry, Denny, Denny, and Denny, Rihanna yeah. plays um, Coffee. Right. So basically, is well, the story started from Coffee's perspective. She telling the story, or at least her grandmother scene. She talking about her grandmother, telling her story about the island and this place called Golf Island, and and they kind of hint at um, where does by the the blue, where does blue yeah, silk? It, it's, it's a blue, it's blue silk, blue silk. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And then this this company kind of take over and running this whole thing. So the the irony of a, a blue silk company calling itself red, and they kind of run the island. And the whole thing is this allegory for cap, uh, capitalism, apparently, and United States, apparently. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then so then, then he's this musician who used to sing to her growing up, and and of course he could play the guitar because you know right. what, of course. Well, yeah, <laughs> right. He's a guy, musician. He coming up. He wanted, he wanted to escape the island, kinda. Kinda want to get out of here in terms of making money. He used to, I forget, he used to run the show, run shows every year or so. So it's unclear. But anyway, this year he used to have a big concert, and then he is talking about working in the company because he's kind of also double for working for the company somewhat, and they have enforcers and basically everything. That's kind of stopped dead for some music video stuff. Shows kind of lose me a little bit. Uh, I, I I saw it coming. Right. I saw it coming, but transition wise, it could have done a lot better. But I'll uh, I'll talk about that later. Uh, continue. Anyway, so I came I came for the I came for the Donald Glover, but I stayed for the Letitia Wright. I saw she was in it. I like all right, but they didn't do anything with her. Unfortunately. Uh, right. Then Wells boy. Um, right. So the arc started work where he basically the main conflict is. Donald Glover versus, well, the fellow who run in the Red Corporation, apparently. And his, you know, gang of goons. Yes, his gang of goons. <laughs> yeah, basically, the, you know, he does kind of effectively bribe Donald Glover to, well, not have a show. For some reason, because apparently people are going to stay away this Sunday and they're going to lose work. I mean, that's a reason. Yeah, well, I, I, I know, right? Uh, I know. <laughs> and well, it's a generic Caribbean island, so you ensure where it is exactly, I think they shoot in Cuba. Yes, they did. They did uh, shoot in Cuba. But, yeah, but it's never Cuba. established as Cuba. Yeah. Or no, no. if the people... Oh, sorry. If characters were from Cuba. It's just... No. This is Guava Island it's, and, you know... Yeah, this generic Caribbean island. I'm sure. It, it, it's a little bit of Barbados, a little bit of St. Vincent, a little bit of um, Tobago. You know, you're not really sure what it is. Um, you know, have a little, little hodgepodge. But yeah, the architecture is clearly Cuban. That is the yes, reason yes. I knew it was Cuban. And I looked it up after. And I was like, oh, Cuba. Okay. Um... That's it. Just at the arc, and well, it you know he the arc the conflict plays itself out, and that's it. it. Didn't really do anything else than that. And I kind of was not a fan of this. Didn't love it. Should have loved it, but I didn't. Um, I, I I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Yeah, they didn't really do anything. That's the problem. It didn't. It wasn't particularly subtle, or it didn't have any like interesting things to say per se. Like other than oh well, it's, it's all about capitalism, and capitalism is bad. You know, in America, and this is America, and it does kind of just tell you the message. You know, it's, it's you know, I just I was waiting for for Keenan, Keenan, um, Keenan Ivory, 
you know, we and to show up somewhere and just yell out message, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, it, they didn't do anything. I don't know what it was, what this was all about. I mean, it's just a vehicle for Donald Glover. It just kind of fell flat for me. I mean, I like the music and, and the cinematography is great. You know, I, I like Kirimurai's that grainy kind of pseudo weird style and he just make Caribbean life look cool at the same time because it's supposed to be warm. Yes, so again, yes, that yes. Double, double kind of feel to everything. That's about it. Cinematography is solid. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I can I don't have anything to work with. I can. It's not bad. Eh? It's not like a complete mess or anything like that. Just, just kind of aimless. I don't really feel this one. Uh, yeah, here's, here's the thing with this, right? So I, I said it twice before. Uh, this clearly is a passion project. You could tell, right. um, with with how much of familiar. Well, sorry, I shouldn't say how much, but the familiarity with with. Challenge got be those songs. So, like, you were hearing, you know, um, this is uh, Summertime Magic, this is America, Feels Like Summer, Saturday. Like, when I was hearing these songs, I was like, all right, this is this clearly a way to put these songs out there. Because while people like me was just waiting for the man to drop an album after This Is America came out, we again nothing. I say, okay, well, okay, but, however, <laughs> but, you know, he just dropped this whole Guava Island here. We say, well, okay, well, we still gotta get the album, right? And I don't even think we will. <laughs> but yeah, this is just clearly a vehicle for him to push this music out. Um, right. And it does remind me a lot of, you know, modern films, musical films that try to tell his narrative, but it's also a vehicle for the artist music. Uh, case in point, Basidi, remember from from like a few years ago. Remember, well, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. we were kind of not plus by it, but That's I just kind of let it slide because it was just this silly. Bollywood tribute, basically, but it was Marshall on screen. I was just like, "All right, let me just shut my brain off and was, try to have fun with it." As well, yeah, I was, I was about to say that as well. Is that it, it felt like a, a, a just a well-made local Trinidadian film? Like you know, Trinidadian films just be they well-made in this way, and they just completely aimless narrative-wise. You know, as as I see that, I along with the with the runtime, I couldn't help but think. Yeah, this is this is kind of like how we just do our films, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was, and yeah, runtime too. This off and yeah. kind of weird. And, all right, why? Okay, nice. Like, I mean, like we will nice. come through real good with cinematography. We'll yeah. come through real good with acting if we get some good music, cool. Right. But narrative, boy, it's just we we want to tell a lot. We want to see a lot, boy. But it's just how <laughs> to convey it, boy. We just always run into that right. issue. But um, yeah. but just to talk about it good briefly, right? Briefly. Uh, I do agree with you. The cinematography I thought was was excellent, um, and um, of course, Hiro Murai's direction worked here. I love that they yeah. gave it this sort of greeny. Uh, it had a sort of seventies, early eighties kind of feel to things. Yeah. Like I was thinking, like um, what was the name of that movie? Uh, Sugarcane Alley. I was thinking right. how they come, especially with the main character being this this. I don't want to say a lovable guy, but this this guy with his head in the clouds, he loves music so much, he wouldn't stop to pull out his guitar and play and sing music and, you know, make women sway and all that kind of stuff. I was getting that Jimmy Cliff vibe from him, and I, you could tell that Donald right. was really, like, inspired by, you know, Jimmy Cliff's character in the Hardy Come, right? Um, and the songs, you know, they were great. The way how they, well, a majority of them were worked in, um, I thought was really nice. Um, I especially loved how he brought in Saturday, right? Which was a song that he premiered at uh, Saturday Night Live last year, and I love the song, even though it does yeah. borrow a lot from George Benson, especially with the guitar that, yeah. yeah, it's very George Benson, right? 
Uh, but I love the vibe of it. It's just a really, really nice song. And of course, Feels Like Summer, uh, which came on last year, the dope video, the animated video, which I really loved. Um, so I love those moments, right? And Summertime Magic, which was a song I wasn't too familiar with. But yeah, I loved that song. And it had a great scene with him performing it with um, alongside Rihanna. Uh, who, by the way, doesn't doesn't get to sing or do much, which I'll That's get to. Don't like, get to, which I'll get to. But like, it would have been Rihanna Kak, like she was terrible, and she's pretty much terrible in almost everything she she does as actress. Um, so she was. I, she, I, she I was thought the... I thought that after Battleship Jed, she would kind of step things, step up she game and as far as acting goes. But once again, it's just all right, Standy. Kind of look snarky, looking that right. kind of way. Like, all right, I'm hot. I understand that, but you can't get me. So, who the fuck is you trying to get to me? She always had that kind of look about her, but especially right. on screen, <laughs> she does that a lot. But especially in this show here. But right. um, let's talk about the music be- uh, before I get to acting, right? But the This Is America part, though, that was just so forced. It, yeah. it was so clumsily forced to it. Like you could it see it weird. set up already. It the, the the emptiness of the of the of the um the the set basically where it had these dancers kinda just kinda right. waited for the beat to kick in. I was watching Donald and he kinda goofy manners, especially with his face. You know he always does this kind of facial stuff when he's performing the especially this is America, the kinda um clownish kind of stuff. I was like, Alright, I I I seen this is America coming in a and then when they come in with the, yeah. you know, with the intro, we just want a party. Party just for you. I was like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We do it this. And this keeps going and going. I was like, all right. Y'all, y'all, y'all could stop now. We, we get the yeah, message. Yeah. Okay. We understand why it was there in the movie. But stop. <laughs> just stop. It didn't need to be there, to be honest. But I get why it was there, right? But if that was the whole point of the movie, then maybe that could have been like the key song in the movie or one of the key songs in the movie just kind of came to just say hey i remember remember this song won a grammy that that's why i got of it like hey remember this song won a grammy right ah so there you go it's that song that you all love so much and it won a grammy here you go right but that's how i saw it i didn't really see it as being really integral to the story even though the message of it with capitalism and stuff like that i guess right uh acted um, Donald Glover is great, right? I mean, yeah. he's not perfect, perfect, perfect as far as you know being on screen and acting goes, but he just has so much charisma and charm to him. But it's just like, like I, I just can't hate this dude. You know what I mean? Even when he's silly and acting a little goofy and whatnot, I can't hate him. I can't hate him. Hate, hate him at all. When he sings, you know, it's him. You know, when you know he's, you know, he, he's just oh. such a charming dude. There, you know what I mean? Like I just, even if he might drop a, a, a badly written line or two. I, it's just like, you know, whatever. It's, it's, it's dog lover, right? The man could act. Well, the, I, I, I just really wish, I really wish they did, you know, they took a, a, a better effort, um, you know, for this, no? like just have an actual arc and a clearer. It's just so straightforward and kind of boring. No? Um, yeah, short, um, so. yeah, yeah, you're right. Like well, it's a build stuff up and have it just feel a little more complete. Um, and it could have worked, but what they decided to do with it is like, oh, this is it? All right, why? Yeah, yeah. Um, so what else? Uh, the villain, um, Nonzo Anozi, Anozi, right? right? I know I saw the guy before in a film, and I just realized that he was in, um, he was in Game of Thrones actually. He was that okay. one black dude who was in Game of Thrones. 
It's like, oh shit, right. yes, that's it, right? But um, I liked his character. I liked the act. His accent was on point though because I was watching like he had this Jamaican thing going on. He looked like one of those tough Jamaican guys that you see right. in like um, a Jamaican movie there. Um, yeah. I like that they didn't make him into this uber super villain who just got a man down and that's the reason why you hate him. It's just a simple intimidation thing that he does and then he just drives the point home by doing something. I'm not going to say where it is. I just see the fear to say, all right, I don't like this yeah. dude. But I get no, where man. you're coming from. But we're supposed to hate him because he's bad, right? Um, Letita Wright, though, she felt pointless in the film. She was just yeah. basically the, the friend of um, Kofi, who's played by Rihanna. And um, no offense by to Rihanna. And, I mean, I know she looks good and all. And the, the show usually stops to, to remind us that, yeah, Rihanna's, Rihanna's a, a, a hot number. But uh, right. as far as acting goes, though, yeah. yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And here's the problem. Here's the problem. It's set up in the narrative that she's supposed to be the his muse now, you know, um, Donald Glover's right. muse, right? He sings songs because he's in love with the island, but he's he's in love with the island because of her, right? And you get that, okay? You, you, you hate the music; it's all sweet and whatnot. When he's performing um, "Summertime Magic," it's nice, you know, that that moment with him performing with it. Sorry, I keep saying with performing in front of Rihanna. That was just a beautiful moment. But once right. again, it's just Rihanna looking at you kind of way like, nah, nah, uh-uh, you ain't going to get this, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's just yeah. her just doing that, just over and over and over. And she doesn't even get to do anything dramatic or anything more emotional. It's just that kind of look. And then it goes even far because they, they, they drop a little, a little tidbit about her, something that happened, something that will lead to what happens at the very end. And you're kind of wondering, okay, so was it Denny that caused it? Basically, was right. any part of what happened there? They never really see it, and this to me is he is he is he um, is he weakness of the of the story itself. You don't really get. They never really they never really establish or flesh out Denny and Kofi's relationship. Though it's just like it, no, it just kind of comes I mean... off as like to me. It's almost like all right, Denny real like she they had a they had a fling. It didn't really right. quite work out. But she still kind of like him, but he still sprung over her. That's why I get. I didn't really get the the, the thing that they were a couple at all. Other people was kind of hit that yeah they love each other, but I didn't really get that, especially with the way simply how Rihanna looks at Donald and acts alongside him. It just kind of come up right. like yeah we was we were an item and then work, but you're still there and you're still kind of goofy and fun. So you know I'll just kind of smile and giggle and you know. But we, 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 we still not we still not um in a relationship, right? Just lay on know, right? But right. it just came off like that. I didn't really get chemistry, you know. But I I best I, I guess the best way to describe it is that like the only time you really got to see chemistry with the two of them is with that summertime uh magic song. And on that it was just Hey, I'm the goofy kid with the guitar playing the sweet music. And she's just like, oh, okay. All right, gotta go to work. Bye. You know what I mean? That's what I got, yeah. right? Um, the ending, could I see coming a mile away? Yep. I would say it's a bad thing, but it's kind of a bad thing and kind of not a bad thing because I realized with the runtime itself that this is going to be a simple, straightforward story. And, you know, if you look at it like that, then, yeah, I mean, it does what it does. It's so innocent and you know sweet in a way like i remember like you know what imdb has a tv emmy rating i was just watching this shit like dude this shit could have been like tv 14 this shit so 
clean and polished and so innocent and harmless. You know, the yeah. story is so straightforward. It's like there wasn't really anything that object uh, objectable about it, unless you just genuinely get so emotional about the climax. I don't want to spoil it, but because you saw that shit coming a mile away, it's like, well, of course, I had to end that way. I do love yeah. the the ending of it, though. The ending of it uh, before it cuts the black, though. Um, how the situation is resolved, I thought that was a, a really powerful moment. And Rihanna's line in that was so simple, so concise, but it just, I don't know, it just it just hit me so hard. It was just like, yeah, this worked. This this actually worked. This really actually right, worked. Love... Yeah, but really and truly, oh, they really could have done a lot more with the story, admittedly. Um, they really could have worked in these songs a little bit better. Instead of just having him just there, like you know, we like I don't expect him to break out into song and whatnot. You only do that roughly like about twice in the film, but you know the yeah. other songs are there. But I don't know. I just wish. I, I, I just I just wish in general. Um, just before I get to reading, that the movie that the film itself could have been longer. Yeah. And I add in a fifteen more minutes, add more music, add more story, add more characterization, and we would have had a much better film. Like, I, I understand that it wasn't really supposed to be anything big, which is why the movie is only, like, 56 minutes long anyway. Like, it's just supposed right. to be this little project you do, you know, just to, I don't know, just for Hero to kind of get your name out there, I guess, and for Donald Glover to not put out a new album, I guess. You know, you just put the songs out there, whatever, decide to drop a soundtrack. Here's the soundtrack, you know, it be whatever, right? But they still could have put a little... Actually, not even a little bit more effort. Could I put some more effort into it? Could I put some more effort into the characterization? Given they should have given, uh, they should have given Letita Wright more things to do. Could have given Rihanna more things to do. Uh, they could have developed Dog Lover's character a little bit more. Cause he came off a little only two dimensional, and you know, what I mean, everybody was kind of two dimensional to be honest. But overall, like I get, it's simple, it's sweet, it's harmless, but. Given the talent on screen, though, yes, even yeah, Rihanna, we, we really could have gotten more to this man. Right. Anyway. So, rated-wise, if I had to be honest, while the songs were great, and Donald uh, Glover is charming, and Rihanna is fine as hell, uh, it's just, I thought that she would uh, act better. You know? <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, for what it is, though, I would still give this a strong 3 out of 5. It was, it was alright. Um, if you like to hear Donald Glover sing, then you will love this this um you will love this 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 film here. Um I know this is just such a film festival movie. Right. Yeah. From the location to the story like... to the execution. Everything is just so film festival. <laughs> I would yeah, be surprised if we get to see this down here uh for our film festival, which must be in, in our, you know. <laughs> And people just come out of it and like, yeah, that was just such a sweet movie. That was so sweet right. and cute. But yeah, they'll they'll forget about yeah, it afterwards. They'll forget about it. <laughs> right, pretty much. But yeah, if you're uh, a fan, me... if you're a fan of of right. all things Charles Gamino, uh, go see it. If you're a fan of Rihanna, I imagine you'll be terribly disappointed by this. At least you could have give this girl a song to sing, Jed. That's just one song, Jed. One song. Come on. <laughs> But yeah, if you're curious, give it a look. It's harmless. It wouldn't bite, right? But if you want, like, but really and truly, you'll come out of it like, yeah, it was fine, but what more out of it, man? Uh, any last words, Ricardo? Yeah, pretty much. I, I get it on a, like a 4 out of 10, maybe closer to a 3 in my head. Wow. 
<laughs> yeah, no, you read it, it like it, that at all, Generally, yeah, I didn't really have anything good for me with this one. I, I thought this would have been more complete and more of an arc. You know, I, I think because, you know, the writing on, on Atlanta so good, though, I really thought we'd have gotten, like, a solid, really solid arc here. But you just, yeah, them just look like they just went online and just decided to fuck around, man. That's how it really come across <laughs> like that. It really come, it feel too low effort. Um, yeah. That's about it. I mean, it's it kind of forgettable, frankly. But, yeah, uh, cinematography, that's it. You know, yeah. I, I, they don't really do anything. It, it could be deeper. Gonna be smarter. You as know? you think, I, and, and uh, well, as you say that, I know Donald Glover. Like when, I, even with music and all too, even with right. songs like "This Is America," you know, there's a lot of thought that put yeah, into exactly. his craft, right? So you think you'll I, get I, in a movie like this, but it's just so yeah. straight and simple. It's just yeah. like, I, all right, I didn't get really? nothing. I don't know if it have, if it have layers to it, somebody ought to explain that to me. But I, I didn't get anything from this. Um, well, well, speaking of layers, um, I actually read this on Wikipedia. Some people will compare in. Um, the plot and the themes of the movie to what happened to Nipsey Hussle. And when I watched it, I was like, all right, I get it, uh, but I kind of... Uh, okay. So far-fetched, man. Like, like really? That's true. Really? Yeah, that's... Nah, 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 nah. Not, not, not really. Not in my opinion. That, that does yeah. seem like a strength. That, that, that's just reading way Why don't you make any sense? Unless it's some conspiracy theory shit. Is like, what, they, they conceive that since like, they say, also know that, that that conceive and make and edit so long, whatever. No, no, no. It, it, it's it's coincidental, but nah, that's just yeah, exactly. reading way too much into it. And yeah, I am looking for intentionality, and I didn't get that. Ex- exactly, but yeah, I I understand why it's simple and sweet, but oh gosh, it's Donald Glover, man. It it, it could have had more subtext, more layers. Yeah, we, can, we still have the music, still have the yeah, still have the music, still have the great cinematography, still have the story, but just give us more that you know, so you'll walk out of it really thinking about the show instead of at least in my case um you could have just bought an album with these songs <laughs> yeah, you know I mean? yeah. We, we're talking about this too long uh three out of ten enough right but so moving, moving on to wasted cha- wasted talent and potential uh let's talk <sighs> about the silence which i you know you talk about it and uh, i hear nobody talk about this when you tell me about it i thought it was like this hidden gem that nobody watched and real dread that realizes that is like a really shitty prequel to A Quiet Place. A little bit of bird box in there. I'm like, all right. This yeah, was kind of- figure with, with, with me and the silence, right? So I just looked at two names. Kunan Shipka, who we right. know and love from Children of Avengers and Sabrina. Great actress, in my opinion. Great actress. And Stanley Tucci. I mean, he is a great actor, right? He's a talented actor. So it's like, all right, two big names. I know they could act their asses off. All right, what is this film about? Okay, getting a quiet place vibe from it, getting a bird box vibe from it. But is Kunan Shipka and Stanley Tucci right. those? They would, it's like right. so, shit, right? When I, when, I know, when I started watching it and it started in the beginning, I was watching it and I was like, wait, this, did they film this like some years ago before she was like a big side in Serena? And it's like, the answer is yes. Right? Somebody, somebody when I was talking about it in a, in a dress, I tried with somebody else. Yeah, it was, this was done and ready, finished in 2017. Um, oh, that is why I was watching right. her, her face there. She's looking much younger, right? She's looking much younger. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she looks she looks way younger in this. Um, so yeah, it was filmed a while back. So it's one of those. It's one of those where you know they start block for something else, and then they'll bring out something that they do some years back just to capitalize on it quickly. That's effectively what they do here. Is that bullshit? Um, something similar went down with um Captain Marvel. Remember Captain Marvel? Have a movie out now, Unicorn Store, something like that. 
Yeah, which we were supposed to talk about, but I heard some I, bad reviews about it, so I didn't bother to watch it. It's better than this. <laughs> wow. Um, you know, but it's the same thing. It's the same, oh, you, you do this this thing, and then I, you know, because I blow up in something else, you, you come back and bring it back. Um, even even your boy Black Panther had something like that. This summer, um, uh, he had some, some, like, thing where he was in Africa, some cop thing. I forget where it was. Um, he does do that all the time. It's, all, it's, a, it's a, common, a common marketing trick. Yeah, right? Movie cast. They did it with, um, uh, with, with Chris Hemsworth, right? Where he right. blew up a or they brought out, um, where it is cabin in the woods. Which is shelf right. for, for years and you know. Yeah, it's, right it's, not, it's So they, what they do is when it blow up, you, you ride the coattails after the fact. Yeah. And that's that exactly what this is. And this was, but this is a particularly egregiously bad example of this story. Like. Yeah, but but but, we, but before I get to what it's about, right? Um, first red flag, though, I would admit was the director. I saw John R. Leonetti. I was like, wait, really? right. I know that name from somewhere, Jed. Where I know that right. name from? And it's when I went up on Wikipedia, I was reminded that man directed one of <laughs> the most infamously right. bad movies ever made. Yeah. What's a common annihilation? Yeah. Yes. He directed that. And yeah. even worse, he directed one of, in my opinion, one of the worst horror movies I've ever seen in my life. Annabelle. The first Annabelle. Right. And, right. and quite recently, as in, as in 2017, sorry. He directed a movie that I wanted to see so bad because I heard it was one of those so bad it's good kind of movies. Wish Upon. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah. I, I heard it's one of those so bad it's good movies. I actually do want to see it. Like, maybe if you have a bad movie line one of these days, right. you should actually right. watch that. Yeah, because I heard things about it. But that was like a red flag. I was like, oh, wait, 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 wait. That guy, wait, wait. Um, uh, All right, I, I kind of worried here, right? So... <clears throat> What is the story about, right? So we mentioned a quiet place, mentioned bird box, and yeah. Right. So essentially, it's this cave research team. This is in the intro. Um, usual yep. shit. They, they 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 stumble on some prehistoric creature. In this case, it's like this weird sort of um, bat pterodactyl hybrid, basically that was in hiding okay. in this cave. They all escape. You know, they kill the the research team. You know what happens? Blood of the camera. Blah blah blah, and. Yeah. Then later we introduce the character, <clears throat> sorry, of Ali, who is played by Kurdish Shipka. Uh, she is uh, deaf. Uh, she's deaf actually. And uh, later we we understand how she got deaf. Right? She has right. a boyfriend who isn't deaf, but he is. He he knows sign language as well. I thought that was pretty cute. Uh, also yeah. another person from Chile Adventures and Sabrina who was there, uh, Miranda Miranda Otto, who plays her mother Kelly. Yeah. Right? I was like, oh shit, she just yeah. what? Okay, right. And yeah. Stanley Tucci, of course, plays the dad, Hugh. And he just seen how they how they work together as a family. Uh, Ali has a little brother. Uh, her grandmother on her mother's side is alive. Well, I mean, is lives with the family, basically. And it's all good, right? And then the news reports come out, you know what I mean? Weird occurrences. People are dying from these strange winged creatures, right? And right. Right off the bat, they say, stay in your homes, don't make any noise, right? Of course, people will go outside and get killed, but it's like, all right, well, we have to stay in here. But through some circumstances, you know, the, the, the family realized, and, uh, well, there's a there's an uncle. At, it's, right, yeah, uncle um, a friend of the father, yeah. A friend of the father, right? Glenn, right? But they call him Uncle Glenn, right? Yeah, so they all decide, here's what right. we're going to jump in the car, we're going to get out of here, right? And <clears throat> basically, it's just... They're, 
misadventures as they get from one point to the next, you know, real quiet play style. They get into a place, yep. but it's not enough, you know, because somebody had to make some noise and whatnot. And, you know, there's these creatures trying to attack. Um, so it starts off with them inside the car and then it goes to them going inside of a house. I'll talk about a house later on. And where things kind of get weird though, weird and then kind of just fuck, is that there's a cult involved. <laughs> yes, a cult. Society as well, right? Well, you all better follow us, Jed. You know, just say nothing, follow us. If you don't, you can make some noise and then these back right. No sense at all. And yeah. I understand you want to set this post apocalyptic environment, right? But dude, this is yeah. not 28 days later, Jed. This is not about you know the evils of humanity, Jed. This is about humans, people that you're supposed to give a shit about trying to survive these creatures, trying to get from point A to point B. That's all. No, no preacher me about. You know, the fall of humanity and the... Yeah, epoch- yeah, no, don't give me that, please. This is not that kind of movie. This is only 90 minutes long. No, 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 no try to be all complex, right? So, Ricardo, <laughs> just, just, just rip this movie to shreds, please. Go on. Yeah, well, I, again, I, I'm not in the, in the mood to rip to shreds because, like, it's just dumb. Like, nothing about it makes sense or works. Um, like, why didn't they just stay in their own house? Why they leave? They need to. They don't really need to. Right, if the, the uncle was like, Well, we need to go here or there, I was like, No, you don't really need to, and you're kind of gonna fuck it up. And, in the uh, house, and the whole the, movie would have been great with them just being in the house, trying not right. to get killed. <laughs> um, well, yeah, it was just kind of dumb. Um, everybody was just making dumb decisions. The uncle was dumb. The father was like, Oh, well, the dog needs to shut the fuck up, so he let the dog went out. Apparently, the dog got tear to pieces, but they didn't have the budget to show that. Um, you know, but what yeah, I did, <laughs> I just saw the shirt too. In this you know? slow with dramatic right. music played, everybody yeah, like, what? show the arms, they mouth like, no. And I was like, but why did they go out for? Because they make a noise? Just right, simply pedal and drive out of that. That's the problem that I didn't actually follow because, like, the, them bats thing, here's the problem. Them bats thing don't seem to be that competent or dangerous anyway. Like, once you're in a car, you're good. Once you're in a moving car, they shouldn't really be. That thing. Another thing is, how much of these bad things it have? One cave have how much of these things? Uh, that, well, apparently, good point, good point. Yeah. But but apart, just to defend that, uh, you had a scene where they was in a drugstore. So they showed that the bat is reproduced pretty quickly. So okay, fine. Yeah. Um So if if you know, it's one of those swarm things, right? You know, once you give it a food stuff, it'll just exponentially grow wherever it is. You see that with locusts and shit like that, right? Fine. Um. So basically, yeah. This this was this was just a a, a dumb. Prequel to a quiet place. That is what this was. That's what it was. That is what and it, was. it wasn't as smart and it wasn't well, as tense as that. As I, look, to be fair, I think that film kind of dumb, eh? Like, I don't like quiet place anywhere near as much as other people. I thought it was well done. Right? It, it, it kinda was, dumb. but I, I didn't love it neither. Um, I, I, I just like, find it, that it, it, it just, just kind of, like, there was things about it that I liked, but it was still yeah, kind of generic. You know, we right. have to stay safe or else. And then, yeah, characters do some dumb shit, you know? Right. So, so this, sorry, this, Jim Halpert. I know what you try to do, but it, it was it was dumb shit. Sorry. <laughs> right. But it, this this just didn't work for me. Um, it was just just kind of a just kind of a waste of time for me. Um, nobody was good in this. All the logic was kind of bad. The ending was kind of interesting with the grandmother she sacrificed herself apparently. Yeah, that's it. And then you know they decided to go to this kind of walking dead bullshit at the ending where you know they oh, we shoot yeah, it out yeah. and heck. 
that yeah, nonsense. Yeah, yeah. Like, they, they, they do that. They do that. Um, well, well, you, sorry. Yeah, and they meet up with the boyfriend and so and so so forth. I I couldn't care. Um, yeah, this, this I it makes sense to kind of talk about this because it just it's just complete problem. Total waste of my time. Um, nothing interesting to talk about. It generic as all hell. Um, very poorly executed. The budget showed. Everybody was just kind of checked out for this. I like Stanley Tucci. Where you doing this? Now here's the ticket. If it was like a generic sci-fi channel Saturday night bullshit, I'd probably get this a pass. Or even if this was a local film, like like you know, it, like on the level of the Cutlass or something like that. Yeah, right, cool. Give it a pass. But to see Stanley Tucci in this nonsense, and to see uh, well, Shoka, she's a big star now. But you know, for understanding the whole thing, it is one of those things. It's clearly a a, a bullshit product kind of nonsense anyway. But yeah, to see Stanley Tucci in this foolishness, nah, I get this. I think it's a really low score. Uh, so this get like a one out of ten from me. It's just a waste of time. Don't watch it. Skip it. It's a waste of time. Colossal waste of time. Yeah, the well, one you know, the priest people was complete, uh, completely pointless. That completely. made no sense at all. It sucks. Yeah. Yeah. So my, my, my thoughts, right? Totally agree with you, Tread. I was, I was, I wanted to like this thing, eh? Um, even from the setup at all. I, I wanted to like um uh Kunan Shipka's character and, and still Actually, I, I do like her character the most. Like, I think that she... I actually give yeah. a shit about her more than anybody else. Um, Sally Tucci was just the, the dad who just wanted to make sure everybody's safe. But, you know, he would make these these poor calls or whatnot. You know, where it's just going yeah. outside to, to check on this and come back. You know, it's just yeah. like, why? You know? Yeah. And once again, and let's, parallels... Let's not make no sense to me. Like, you know, this part where... Some old woman came out, the old woman come out, and she just get tear up and like, well, this woman wasn't paying attention to the news at all or something. Like, she was just isolated. Why she come out and make us such a noise? And she well, just dead like a dog. As, like, as you see that, right? As you see that. This is why I want to talk about the house, right? So you are right, Trent. That scene, another death watch I'll talk about. I was like, what the fuck, Trent? Really? Like, on the news, people are saying that these creatures are out, right? You come out and say, what the hell are you doing in my property? Blasted a shotgun. Of course, he has I to the shits. I laughed. I laughed. Like, oh my God. Yeah, exactly. I try to be charitable towards stuff like that. So I assume she's like just some bumpkin who don't watch news at all or don't watch TV. But she like, she don't know what's going on. She's just some isolated person. That's the only thing that makes sense about that. Yeah, it. But there was no but attention think... built up to that, though. It's just she come out, see, she just come out. blast a, 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 shot, uh, a shotgun blast, yeah. sorry, and then the, 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 uh, the creatures attack. So it's like, you knew what, what was going to happen. Like, we expect, we expect. Right. Um, yeah, anyway, we talk... what that, that's how I know, I know we talk a lot, but what that, that made no fucking sense at all, Trent, was the train scene, the subway scene, sorry. There's right. a mother with a baby, right? The baby is crying. Everybody quiet, right? right? It's like, baby's making too much noise. And one guy trying to grab the, the baby, right? It's like, no, 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 right. I'll handle it. She exits the subway and keeps walking down the, the, the tunnel train. Was All she right, going so to again, the platform? Was she trying to leave the subway? Again, Why did she stay in the subway? No, like, she baby making noise. So the baby had to go. So she said, all right, well, I'll sacrifice myself with my baby, apparently. That is, that is what it was going for. But again, no tension, no build up. No I mean, the most amateur. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and, and they try to do the quiet, well, a couple of things, right? They try to do the quiet place thing where it's all right. quiet and everybody's doing sign language or they're whispering so low. And thank God I had, must, I, I had subs on. 
I could understand what they were saying because there was no subtitles. There was actually no hard-coded right. subtitles for the moments where they were doing, um, you know, uh, sign language or whispering. So you literally yeah. had to read the subs to understand what they were saying. I was just like, what? Um, but yeah, but it's just one cliche scenario after the next cliche, yeah, cliche, no. cliche. And then the whole cult thing just came out of nowhere. The setup for it was so, yeah. so awkward. And I was just like, what's the point of all this? And I get that it was trying to set up this pretty interesting climax. Interesting in the sense that how they got the, the, the creatures to attack, but still poorly executed. And anything with the grandmother was just like, oh gosh, man, really? That that's and then the end was, yeah, was kinda wanna be walking dead and it just fell flat for me, but it, it just really yeah. felt like they was just trying way too hard to do this safe PG-13 film with CG creatures right. that don't even look good, you know, attacking people, because that's, that's scary. I was just looking at the creatures themselves, yeah. it's like, okay. like, I understand anyway. what they were going for, but it just didn't look good at all, but it's just right. anyway. poorly, poorly put together. So yes, we talked long about yeah. it. I know you're right. Alright, yeah, so Rita Wise, Wise, for me, I would give this Two out of five way. I, I want my money back to it. I persuade yeah, you to watch it. And I after I, I watched it, right? This was the night before the time it was recorded. I was like, oh God, why do this for boy? Like why 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 had you stop what you do it to watch this way? Because Stanley yeah. Tucci and a couldn't ship covers it. And swear yeah. to God, that was the reason why I, I watched it because like well yeah. them two in it, so it had to be good, right? But no, I should tell what he's done early in the team name. I was like, all right, this yeah. this is gonna be a failure. This is gonna be a failure. I think is 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 this 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 bird box scam fuckery now that they like to do now. The hyper thing make it look like it better than it really is, and it is. You watch it and waste your fucking time now. Yeah, for me, like a uh, one out of ten. This is this is sci-fi channel Saturday night bullshit. Sorry. Um, waste some time. Total crap. Moving on. Next. Yeah, yeah huge disappointment. Moving on, right? So keep it with Netflix. Once again, well, actually, for the last time. Uh, now we're going to talk about a TV series that was recommended to to me, well, to us, sorry, uh, from fellow sure. 3D Critics League member, uh, Summer Lee Polliday, called Black Summer. And here's the ironic thing about <laughs> it, right? So we keep talking about sci-fi, this sci-fi original. This movie, actually, sorry, this series, this eight-episode series, is produced by none other than The Asylum. Okay. Okay. Yes, the folks yeah. who are behind, who were behind, sorry, the uh, the Sharknado series, you know, and the infamous for these mockbuster movies, right? For those who don't know what that is, right. that they will take a popular movie, a movie that is like probably finished production and is about to be released within a certain uh, within a certain period of time, and they will do a mock version of it. So, case in point, they'll be Transformers, and they had like what yeah. gla- uh, Gladiator Formers or some kind of shit like that, right? Yeah. You'll do their no, own version of stuff like that. Oh, yeah, Transmorphers. Transmorphers, yeah. right? I know they had some gladiator ones or some shit, right? right? Uh, my, my introduction to the Asylum was <laughs> was when Pacific Rim, right? One of my all-time right. favorite games yeah. of the Toro movies came out. That was in 2012, I believe it was. And they dropped Atlantic Rim, Dread. And I watched that. I was like, yeah, this is right. one of the worst movies i ever seen in my life. It's so bad, right? But yeah, so their, 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 their name has been in, in for me as far as, you know, as far as uh, movies go, right? Just because of their production value and all that stuff, right? I mean, it's not like they work with a big budget or whatnot, but yeah, they pull out some really shitty CG, right? Whatever. But what I did know is, is that uh, they were behind a show that used to be on sci-fi called Z Nation. And this show actually right. is a prequel to Z Nation. I actually never watched Z Nation at all. I heard it was it was it was decent, 
but it wrapped up. So I don't know. It's just like, all right, well, at any time I was, I was still on, you know, the Walking Dead. You know what I mean? Um, kind of tried to get into Fanny Walking Dead, but I don't know. It just didn't click with me. Although I've heard that it got better over the past few seasons, but I don't know. It's just time and whatnot. But I still yeah. sold it on with Walking Dead because I mean, it's Walking Dead, right? You know, that's the show that everybody talks about, right? So, you know, you go on. Well, used to, sorry. <laughs> when you go on Facebook, when you go on Yahoo, or when you go on Twitter, it's all about Walking Dead every Monday, right? There's always something new about that, right? Until Game of Thrones comes, it's just like, uh, what? Oh, Walking Dead, what? You know what I mean? But then again, right. Walking Dead usually ends before Game uh, of Thrones starts anyway, right? My point is, talking about Walking Dead, is that, yes, Black Summer, just like Z Nation, is about a, is about a, you know, a, a zombie apocalypse, basically, right? And once again, it's never really uh, stated what happened. I don't know if it was ever said stated in Z Nation, but it just kind of starts off with the with the uh, with the apocalypse actually taking place, right? With the outbreak, I should say, right? And uh, right off the bat, there's this uh, military presence. You know, people are scampering. You know, they're being put into you know um, into trucks and whatnot, being carried out heaven knows where, and people are just all scared, right? And what was pretty interesting here is that um, we are introduced to different characters, right? But they're not, they don't all band together. It's just basically two groups, right? It's two groups of people. And we see how they how they uh, they kind of introduce them one by one, right? And <laughs> it's Lee when I saw the, 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 uh, the text for each segment. Because, yes, each segment in these episodes are titled, right? So it's almost like if you're... Uh, looking at the you know uh, the scene selection in like a DVD movie, right? Like if you buy original DVD, you go into the menu, you see the scene selection. Right. So it's basically titled like that, right? Also, uh, also interesting though is that the the font that they use is that familiar font that we all know, the one that they use for gravity. Yes, that font they use. Right. You know, so right off the bat when I was seeing it, you know the black the black uh, background, the white text is like, all right, this is like friggin' gravity, you know. Okay, here the kind of shepherd's tone music that. You know what I mean? Cut yeah. the black hair thing. Like, yeah, clearly this is gravity inspired, right? However. Um, but it's about these different characters. Uh, and they all kind of form, well, all right, basically, like I said, they form two groups, right? And then later on, near the end of the season, they kind of team up, right? Well, uh, some of them do, others don't, right? And it's just simply just them trying to get to, well, what do you see? Um, the, a haven for them to just stick it out until this zombie apocalypse, you know, or outbreak, you know, dissipates basically. Uh, the stadium, right? Just this big place, this large place where it's supposed to go for sanctuary, right? And it's just about these characters getting from point A to point B, meet another characters, try to not get bitten by zombies or get killed. Because, yeah, just like in The Walking Dead, if you die, you are reanimated as a zombie, right? So. Right. Or if you get bitten, you, you could turn into a zombie as well. And this is basically what the show is about. And uh, I do understand why some people really praise the show, right? Uh, for one thing, I saw Stephen King kind of giving this a, a great review. Uh, is the visceral nature of it, right? So for yeah. those who kind of just get tuned, who tuned out of Walking Dead, because especially with season nine, which I admit was good, but kind of disappointed as far as you know, Walking Dead goes because of its overly dramatic uh, angle, right? 
you know, it's trying to maintain peace. So it's all these peaceful moments and moments of dialogue and characters talking, but it kind of don't come into the show to see that. You want to see zombie shit. You want to see zombie horror, right? In this case, they just throw away, you know, the the interactions and, you know, the dramatic moments. It's just about tension being built, right? Just tension just being unwound and wound at the same time. And it's just about characters just trying to survive, right? There'll even be sections where it's just about a character getting from point A to point B, and that's what the episode is about. And they will just kind of cut back to a character who is going through a similar occurrence, you know, trying to get to this point. But you have to deal with these zombies, and it's just what these characters will do, how much blood is shed, you know what I mean? And it's, it is brutal, right? Uh, brutal as far as zombie horror goes, right? It's not overly bloody or gory, but you do get your your zombie goodness, right? You get the kills and whatnot. It's not overly right. graphic, you know what I mean? Because we work with a budget, of course. Uh, but it's enough for you, like, the tension is just there, and then when it just, when it's let loose, you know, you, you do feel the emotional weight of it. You do feel disturbed, you do feel sick at the times, but it's within the subgenre, so it wasn't really anything too spectacular, right? You know what I mean? If you've seen one zombie film, you've seen, you kind of know what to expect here. It's just penalty the metal kind of horror visceral kind of shit right it reminds me a lot like um like 20 weeks later you know what i mean like 20 days okay. later i would compare to walking dead where it's like it's about the characters and not so much about the zombie apocalypse it's just how these characters are dealing with the zombie apocalypse right and that's what made that show work, right? It's it's a great show, right? And you still get your visceral horror, you still get the tension and your scares and whatnot. But twenty twenty weeks later, sorry, it was just like, all right, we just we just gotta try to scare the shit out of you, Trent. We we just going to get under your skin, Trent. Whether we had to sacrifice characters so that we gonna get under your skin, Trent. You know what I mean? If you find twenty days later was boring. <laughs> 20 weeks later, however, is far from it, right? But yeah, okay. I love both movies, right? But that is the best way I could compare Walking Dead to this. It's just visceral horror throughout, right? Which is good, especially with the genre, especially with how people just kind of gave up on Walking Dead years ago. I know you gave up on it, like, since that one episode, that one season premiere. Um, where, which, what was it about? Uh, what was it again? By, uh, oh gosh, I forget the name of the, the episode. Remember to talk about the, the the cannibals on them? I can't remember. I think it was. Um, it was when they went to that particular that particular area. I forgot the name of it, right? And Actually, it, yeah, and it was that one premiere, and you say it was like the best episode in the series, and then from yep. there it just kind of fell apart even before um, Negan came in. So yeah, so yep. this show specifically is for people who just just get fed up uh, of of Walking Dead. I find it just too dull and boring and contrived and just. Not ending, right? And from what we heard, yeah, we, we get more more seasons, which is like, no, the next season, season 10, should be the end. End it. End it, EMC. Come yeah. on. All they have other great shit. Like, you're, you're, I, I, you know, they, they, they're more likely, just a little rant here, more likely they might end Better Call Saul before they even end Walking Dead. Like, process that shit for a bit, right? Yeah, but moving yeah. along. Moving along, right? Um, but... What makes it even more interesting now is that it's from the Asylum now. So you kind of take it that this is clearly their version of Walking Dead. It's not really inferior as such, but it's kind of like, not so much a spoof or parody, but just like, all right, guys, remember when Walking Dead actually used to be scary? 
we're gonna give you that uh with this one right so it's kind of like a mockbuster version of the walking there which makes this thing so ironic and so funny at the same time it's like yeah for all those who kind of felt that walking there just get all dry and just you know lethargic here is the zombie shit that you've always wanted. You thought you would have gotten in, in Walking Dead, but you don't get any more, right? So just the asylum just being part of this just make it all the more ironic, right? Uh, as far as acting goes, I mean, the acting is serviceable. Everybody do their job. The music is tense as hell. Uh, the, the cinematography is cold, you know what I mean? Uh, it's very dull, very, uh, you know, the, the colors are diluted and whatnot. And it works at just setting the sort of dark mood of this thing because yeah this is a very grim series a very very grim series there's little to no humor in it at all uh, if there is any humor it just probably is by the, how sh- over the top or just how uh, how what's he what looking for how quick these deaths are or just how shocking these deaths are you know what I mean you might right. chuckle at it or two but while I want to praise this thing to high heaven though Here's the problem. And this is where Walking Dead excels actually more than Black Summer. Yeah, there's, there's, you know, say what you want about Walking Dead, right? But I will respect the emphasis, please, put on character, on character development. Right. Everybody has a personality. Everybody has character to them, right? Even though you're not really supposed to, I mean, you end up connecting with them. You know, it's just like like Game of Thrones. You know, eventually they might die, but you kind of like them because they are who they are. In this show here, unfortunately, because they go in for the whole survival and the fittest thing and visceral horror approach, it's just like they, they're given little to no characterization at all. It's just like, all right, you're this character, this is your setup, and we're just going to follow you, but that's all we get. We only get a setup as to where you were, uh, before you met these other characters, and this that's it. That's that's all we get. And that to me kind of brought down the show because yes, while I'm glad I get in the, the the zombie horror shit that you know I, I felt you know is kind of non-existent in Walking Dead now, I still wish that I cared about these characters, and they just kind of came off as yeah, just your typical characters that you would see in a show like this, in a survival horror show like this, but. You know, they could have given them a little bit more character development. There are moments where characters interact with each other. That's cool. But it's still not enough, though, because it's just still kind of hope. It is still kind of waiting for the kill to happen, for somebody to get killed or the zombie to get killed or whatnot. But it's just not enough time for you to be like, all right, this is why I should care about this character. Just all these characters have to get to safety, and that's it. That's all we get as far as characterization. And that, to me, was the major letdown of this, right? I understand. It's intentional. It's not about characters. It's about the situation at the end. It's about the the tension in it. Cool. But if you don't care about the character, it really doesn't matter in the end. Unfortunately, it just doesn't matter, right? I know horror shows, horror horror shows and horror movies got away with those in the past. But we're talking about a series here, not a movie, right? We talk about a series, uh, and you know, I, maybe. Uh, because I'm not familiar with Z Nation, maybe I would appreciate this show a lot more, but I don't need to watch Z Nation to care about the story or the characters. You know, Black Summer could have done that for me. And unfortunately, they really do that for me. They just focus a lot more on the tension and the horror than anything else, right? And that was a, a letdown for me. So, in closing, uh, I 
dug it for what it was. Uh, I did think it was like this mind-blowing horror series that, you know, reinvigorated the uh, zombie genre. Well, I guess some people will, will call it that. But for me, it was just another example of, you know, just modern horror, right? Just modern zombie horror. It, it is what it is, right? So it didn't really blow my mind until that. I was engaged with what was going on. And, you know, I felt the tension. Other times, it just felt like, all right, it's just tension for tension's sake. But that, it was what it was, right? And it's just eight episodes. For me, it, it, it clocks in like about five hours. So it'll take you roughly that time to just binge it anyways. It's, it's an easy binge, right? Um, and it does lead into a next season. Uh, it does, you know, it, it does have a, it does kind of end on this climactic note. So yes, hopefully we'll get a season two. But I hope that with this upcoming season that they do flesh out the characters a lot more. They do give us a reason to give a shit about the characters and still give us the horror thrills that, you know, people kind of wish was still existent in Walking Dead, right? So I understand its purpose. I understand why it's there. I wouldn't call it groundbreaking. But if you love, you know, just zombie... uh, If you just love zombie flicks and you just kind of gave up on Walking Dead... Then yeah, give this one a look, man. So for me, I will give this uh lighter decent three and a half out of five. It's it's worth checking out. It's an easy binge. If you like that kind of thing, you'll like it. If you do like a lot of tension and a lot of just grimness with your horror, then you just come out of this I don't know, just like not so much just too, but just like disappointed by it. And if you if you expected a lot of uh, characterization, unfortunately, you would right. get. But still, it works for where it is. You know, if it's scare easy, this is not for you. But if you just like your your horror with a lot more visceral thrills in it, then yeah, give give Black Summer a look. But I just hope with season two, they step things up and you know give us more characterization. And one last thing, props to the Asylum though. Like I didn't know that they were behind right. Z Nation and you know the show here. So at least it shows that they are doing good things and not just making intentionally bad movies because they can't it maybe it's like they were doing these things to develop themselves at least as far as the you know direct directed and you know vfx talent goes i guess i don't know but maybe this was just the lead up to a, move, a show like this so there were credibility where we could look at the asylum and be like yeah these these guys are right man these guys are the real deal forget the mockbuster shit of the past they they're legit. They're legit, right? So I want to see. I'm really curious to see what they do next. Of course, seeing that uh, you know, Shark, you know, is a thing of the past now. So let me, let me, let me see how you know. Let me just see what other projects they put out in their future. But yeah, Black Summer is 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 a real deal for you know, for better or for worse. So yeah, check it out, man. If you if you if you're curious about it, give it a look.
right, so sticking with TV now, um, season two of Star Trek Discovery wrapped up. Unfortunately, I didn't get around to watching the full season, but I did hear that the the the, the season finale was um, was badass though. As, as far as Star Trek as a whole goes, I heard that it was kind of fucking incredible. So you yes. will you will you will tell me if it was or not, right? All but, right. Uh, so it, it was it was as I say, if you like the JJ movies, you will love the finale to this because it's a real big action set piece. And then they re- basically it does a great job of resolving the arc itself. Um, you know, the main season. So season two, basically, well, it, it builds off of season one from the end of season one where they say, oh, well, um, we meet in the Enterprise and here's why and so and so. And they basically start the arc where, start the season where um, they meet Captain Christopher Pike, played by Anson Monk. Uh-huh. And... Yeah, he was kind of the big highlight for many people this season. Um, yeah, I mean, and he's a great actor, you know? Great actor. Um, great, great. Yeah, they, they had the outfits. I love the, the yellow with the kind of asymmetrical color. Um, you know, the, the classic track uniforms really, really yes, done. Yes, yes. I, I like a lot of that. that. Yeah, very, very old school. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, and, and I, I dug the hell out of this uh, season on, on average. So basically, this season is, is one um, all-encompassing arc involving well you, you don't find out until a while like about episode six or seven or so but it's something involving spock so spock has gone missing as we know spock is well michael burnham's you know adopted brother adopted yes. brother and yes. so michael has to basically address and try to find what's going on and what you learn is that they have these signals that spock seem to be tracking down and you have to follow spock and involving these signals called these red signals. And then they, they, they Spock keep talking about this figure called the Red Angel. So the story starts where they're on this asteroid, more or less the first episode, where they had to go and get to this asteroid. And the asteroid is to um the asteroid is to basically address um they have to find some they find this this engineer. Uh called um I forget her name, Jet Reno, played by Tig Notaro. All right. Uh, she's a comedian apparently. Uh anyway. She was pretty funny, um, good, good arc for everybody. And they basically, the whole arc is about, this whole season is about um, just uh, solving this problem involving the Red Angel and involving the signals, the seven signals of light that they have to make sense of going forward. And yeah, this season I thought was just pretty goddamn awesome. I was going to tell you that, uh, from nice, my opinion. Nice, nice, yeah. Um, I don't, I it's still a a lot of the typical problems that I have with um, Star Trek Discovery. Um, now, for me, Star Trek Discovery Season 1, I generally defend it for the most part. Yeah, um, I, I, I enjoyed Season 1, uh, although but one gripe that I had, I'm not sure if I mentioned it back then, but my one gripe was it had that sort of bingeable aspect about it. Like, every right. episode had to end with a, you know, with a, you know, right. <laughs> with some kind of... Um, Kind of anticlimactic in a way that, like, oh well, you want to see what happens next? You did to the next episode, you right. know what I mean? And they right. were just like a bunch of acts with all. There wasn't really anything, or at least I did. There was just so much going on, basically, right? I just felt like it was an excuse to just lead into the next episode, as opposed to right. uh, because I grew up on Star Trek: Next Generation. Okay. You know, uh, 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 you have an episode, the, the problem resolve, and that's it. Right. That right. What did they next episode? You know. Right. Now they squared that very well in this season. In my opinion, so what what this season felt like? Yes, it had a a, a linear arc. There was a, a linear run for going through the, the season, 
But what they did, um, they, they had individual episodes that does feel like one-offs on their own. And, and it, two episodes in particular uh, really stood out for me. Um, my, pers- my personal two favorite episodes uh, this season was an episode called New Eden. And that is episode two of the season two. Right. And then episode four, season two, which is probably my personal favorite episode of all of Discovery. Uh, and Obol for Charon. Um, I thought that, that that episode just so more or less flawless for me. And, right. and what goes on that, that episode um, is basically really um, crucial towards what's going on the entire season. Um, yeah, this season. So I'll just, I'll, just, I'll just quick cut through of every episode and why it works and why everything I thought was pretty awesome and pretty decent, right? So uh, episode one, Brother. Um, this was basically just catching back up with it, catching up with, with, with um, Pike coming through. Pike takes over from, uh, from Captain Locker in... Season from season one, he you know well Captain Logan is, is presumed dead. Um, they come back, they address the Klingon war stuff, and well he takes over. And the reason he takes over is because um, the Enterprise is under distress. It had to be fixed, and they had to solve the mysterious red signal problem. So Discovery is the ship that he does come in there to solve the problem. And because Discovery has that really useful spore drive, it could zip about the place relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, they solve the first problem, and this is where they, they meet Jack Reno. She's this surviving crew member inside an asteroid um, because the ship was, I think, damaged during the war. She kind of survived the war. So as far as she was concerned, the war was still going on. Um, but she ended up solving a problem, and then they had to find her to get her on board to solve the problem. Uh, episode two, New Eden. This is one of my personal favorite, directed by Jonathan Frakes. He's yes, like, you the, know, the, the one, the only. Mm-hmm. Tra- yeah, top-tier truck direction, man. Um, he basically did go to meet this planet. And what you learn on this planet is that these people come from uh, the 21st century, right? These people oh. is humans on a planet called Terralisium. And they come from the, 20, from the 21st century during World War III, right? Because wow. they were in, in Trek, you know, before the was founded on Earth, World War III. So for some reason, the, the Red Angel take these humans from this timeline, from since then, and then bring them to this time for some reason or the other. And it's a big mystery why, but then... They had a big debate about whether or not they should, um, whether or not they should, um, like, like talk to them because you know they might be technically breaking the prime directive, and they actually balance the prime directive intelligently in this because usually they usually fuck that up in Star Trek, whatever. But it's still a yeah. solid episode. Um, right. Then episode three, this is when they decide to focus on well, Ash Tyler and them. Um, you learn about Empress Giorgio from from season one. She's mm-hmm. working for Section Thirty One um, in this season. And then you learn that Section 31 is central to the, um, to the main, main arc. Um, Ash Tyler is brought back in the storyline. Well, Ash Tyler is known as also the known as the Klingon Vok. You learn that he has a secret child with Laurel. They had a child together while he was Vok. And he basically, the Klingon hierarchy, it was more Klingon hierarchy shenanigans. Kind of didn't like this episode. It's actually one of my least favorite episodes. Um, but they hide away the child. So another oh. planet. Right, the child, and then the, then she takes over as the proper leader of the Klingons and whatever. And this season, what the season does, it kind of goes out of its way to address like quote unquote continue continuity problems, like why ships look like that. So they kind of address why ships look like that. So now sh- Klingon ships look like classical Klingon ships now, and they give all these political and and, and scientific reasons as to why the ships look like that in season one, and now why they look like this now, and then why the Klingons look like that in season one, and why they look like no, they look more like classical Klingons as we understand them right. in Trek. Right, they, they kind of just square and address all these little bullshit things that, that the fans was pissy about. Right? I wasn't too pissy yeah. about it, but I get why fans are pissy about it. But, but um, to you, right, as a Trekkie, um, 
Do those do those um justifications make sense? Yeah, yeah, they, they make perfect sense. Again, they they be one liners and they they just look like more like hey, okay, the people perceive about it. Like we just address it. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but they just did it. Whatever. Yeah, it's good. It's good enough. You're like, yeah, okay, I could accept that. I not go and nitpick stuff like that. Okay, that is that is the explanation. Fine. It don't break the storyline or anything like that for me. I don't I don't bother myself about it. Right. Um. So four. Um. This is probably my personal favorite episode in all of Discovery. I'm not gonna spoil the episode, but basically what happens is that Discovery, well, while going towards the other, um, because they had to find all the, the red signals to go to, right? While at warp going towards there, they're stopped in the middle of warp by some giant planetoid sized creature. And I dare not spoil what it's about or why it's about and why it's doing what it's doing, but it's like this kind of semi-intelligent um, um, creature um, stopping them to help them solve the problem um, to solve a problem of some sort. Well, at least it's threatening them. We're not sure what it's doing and it have a whole thing to it. And I, I, I just really, really, really love this episode. It's so nice. And it, and it, it, it gives a, a big um, character arc to, um, to one, well, my favorite character in the show, Saru. Um, it does something about him and uh, you, you do a whole thing with it. Um, it had a couple of lame fake outs here or there, but it, it, was, it worked for the most part. Um, right. Episode five, Saints of Perfection. So they follow up a side story that was kind of implied um, in season one, and they just follow it up because something is going on with um, Tilly, where Tilly is seeing someone inside her, like in imagination. You're not sure if it's an imaginary friend or something. Is she going crazy? And they explain this involving the mycelial network. And then, well, big spoiler here. I don't want to say it for it is, but it it uh, it addresses something from season one. That was a big controversial thing in season one. They address it. So they come back. Uh, right. They address that. Episode six, Songs of Thunder. Um, yeah, the follow up on basically the episode, um, episode four, what happened to Saru. Um, this goes on to deal with Saru's arc um, as a character, and then they, they kind of address, you know, why he should be the way he is at the end of the season. Uh, yeah, they address a lot of his, his storytelling. Um, last year, they had these like short movies involving all these characters, and one of them was involving Saru. So it follows up from that as well. Um, then. Episode 7, Light and Shadows. This is where you now start to see the story kind of starting to shape, shape and take place. What the hell going on? What, why, what is happening? What is happening? And well, I'm not going to well spoil this. The main villain of the, the antagonist is more or less revealed at this point. You, like, you find out what's going on and why it's, it's happening. Um, involving um, Section 21 itself. And oh, you start to okay. see, all right, some shit, some shit going down. Somewhere else, somewhere else serious shit going on and it's a really, really emergency. And I, I really enjoyed the villain of this season. The villain of this season, the main antagonist of this season is actually a pretty, pretty great villain in my opinion. Um, you know, it's something I thought I'm surprised enough really addressed for say in, in Trek. They kind of address it sometimes in TOS, but I thought they would have done it more and they actually just outright like go through with it in this one. And it, it explains a lot of stuff like, again, it's, it's ways to address continuity issues here or there. So that's why they did what they did. Um, episode eight. Okay, this episode is a true Trek classic for the fans' stuff because I absolutely love this episode as well. Like they make a brilliant callback to, to stuff involving um Captain Pike. And if you're if you're a big Trek nerd, you would absolutely love this episode from from start to finish. Um, this episode is not one of my favorites. It's a little too fan servicey, but still really good. And and I like what they did with it. Um, right. Project Data. Um, this is when they, they really sort of like do the exposition dump or what the fuck going down, and you know, um, Spock 
kind of reveals himself in, in terms of the main storyline. I think this one they, they properly introduced Spock full and outright. Um, we get to see a lot more Spock in this one. Um, they, start, they start addressing what was going on with him and they address all of that. Um, episode 10. This is when shit hit the fan. And they yeah. reveal some really, really views of this one. Um, there's episodes called The Red Angel. You learn who The Red Angel is. Um, and there's a big kind of big like plot misdirection involved in that. And yeah, it was pretty badass. Like what they did with it. All I'll say is that when they reveal who this character was, it is absolutely perfect casting. That's all I'll say. Absolutely perfect casting of who they reveal what it was. Like, you've got a new okay. uh, bringing the storyline. Um, episode 11, Perpetual Infinity. So they show the big plot line, and, and well, the, the people of Discovery have to like start setting up their plan to defeat the villain and what, what, what the plan is to go to the future. And then, well, episode 12 and 13, um, well, sorry, so episode 12 is Trudy Valley and Shadows, where they get one of the main plot devices to address and to defeat the villain. And then 13 and 14 is the finale, the two part finale. Right. And yeah, um, I can't be mad at this. I, what, what, what about the finale? <laughs> well, I'm going to talk about the finale. Um, yeah, so I can't be mad at this. This was just excellent. Um, you know, almost all of it works. Um, it's a little, it have a couple of dumb moments in it. I'm going to straight, straight up say that. Um, mostly involving one of the characters because I mean, well, spoiler alert, a main character dies. Or I'll say the character kind of stopped being relevant at a certain point. So like I kind of get why they had to kill off the character. But how they decide to kill off the character is really clumsy. Like really goddamn yeah. clumsy had a multitude of ways to save this character um, that they could have done. But whatever, I didn't, I didn't have a big, big problem with it so much. Didn't kill the story too much from it. Um, but I, I thoroughly love what they did with that. Um, yeah, I, 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 can't, I really can't be mad with what they did with this in this season. Um, this season, a ton of fun. Um, for me, uh, it, it just did such a great job with what it was supposed to do going forward um, in, in terms of the main arc. And then they did the thing that they were supposed to fucking do from season one. They actually did the thing and pulled the trigger on it. Um, yeah. I just, you know, just, yeah, as I say, um, so, so just the highlights um, for this season. I'm just going to straight up say it. I prefer Peck to Quinto as Spock. Like, they did the thing. You know what they did with Spock this season? They did the thing like what they did with Spider-Man in the MCU, which is, okay, so it's Spider-Man in the MCU. I'm one of those that didn't like the idea that they brought in young Peter, right? I either wanted them to do older Peter, like older high school teacher level Peter, that age, mm-hmm. or Miles Morales. And the simple reason I don't want the young Peter again is because I don't want to see Uncle Ben dumbass get shoot again, right? Yeah, uh, like nobody wants to see a shit again. Yeah, enough, anyway. Like we see it, enough, enough with the reboot. But then what they decide to do with the MCU Peter is solid. Like I, I actually enjoy a lot of that. I love them in Civil War. I mm-hmm. really enjoyed Spider-Man Homecoming. And yeah, in Infinity War, it was great what they, what they did with him. So I can't be mad at that, even though that's, you know, so it's one of those um, ideas I don't like, but very well executed. So yeah. I don't have a problem with it. And that's how they did, um, handled, uh, that's how they, they, they handled um, uh, Spock in this season. Like, I don't like the idea that Spock is in this series. I personally wanted um, Michael Burnham to be not related to Spock. I like the idea that Michael Burnham is a ward of a Vulcan. I like that. But then like a being related to Spock or being related to Spock, Sarek. If it was up to me, I'd have maybe Tapal be the ward, like have a be the ward of Tapal or anything like that. But with that said, Ethan Peck is really good at Spock. I really enjoy them at Spock. Um, this is Gregory Peck's grandson, by the way. Oh, what? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he's a solid actor. 
you know, he's our age. He's, you know, he's, he's a great, great, great presence on screen. And yeah, I got to straight up say it. Peck, yeah, Ethan Peck better than Zachary Quinto as fuck. You know, he's a better spot. <laughs> I would love to see for myself. I mean, like, I remember when, you know, the, well, the G.G. Abrams movie came out. I was like, oh my right. God, Zachary Quinto is Spock. Like, I was the biggest fan of him. It's like, I he, he doing your role. Okay, that's cool. Modern right. take. All right. But I wasn't blown away by him. You know? Right. I, right. The reason why I think Pe- I prefer Peck over Quinto is actually quite a very simple reason. Um, Peck more feeds like how... Lena Nimoy would have played, and it's one really simple reason: the voice. Um, Quinto's voice isn't deep, so when Quinto plays Spocky, he just comes across as more nerdy, nasally kind of voice. And Peck, Peck has a deep voice, and and yeah, it's like yeah, um, Spock had a deep voice. Like, why does it? They're trying to play this as if Spock is this nerdy kind of character. No, he's actually a pretty good Spock. Um, and I, I, I thought he just he frankly nailed it. And well, the I'm not gonna spoil it, but it's just a big old nerdy thing they do at the ending. With the, with the fan base, where, well, you basically just get to see Spock in his classic blues in the new outfit, and, well, in, in more for, for the entire season, he has a beard, um, right. and then he just shaped beard at the end, and it was great what they did with it, and it looked great. Um, I was like, yeah, they nailed this. Um, I, I don't know if we're going to get any more with him as Spock going forward, I have no idea. That's possibility, but, um, you know, the, he was great. I, I thought he was really damn good this season, and the, the arc they give him really works in the context of the storytelling, because a lot of it makes sense, and, like, when it, everything is with the finale is stitched together very well, right? No spoilers. Just go in, see what they're trying to talk about. Um, the main villain is good. The ending is ep- epic. They have so many great callbacks. Like they have a callback to the motion picture in the final. Whoa. Like, yes, they give you know what to look for. Um, there's a there's a shot in the in the ending where it's like, yeah, this is straight up from the motion picture, right? Like clearly, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's how I, I was feeling with it. I was like, well, would um. And I, I dug it. And then, as I said, um, you know, Ricardo Medino only, you know, literally only wants one thing, and it's fucking disgusting, if you understand the meme. Um, and it's post-nemesis content. And they basically did the thing with, with that. So it's implied that we get in post-nemesis content at the end of this. And I was like, all right, I'm happy with this. I can't be mad with this. Um, because mostly nice. because I did that. Yeah, um, yeah I, I just really thoroughly enjoyed, um, I just really thoroughly enjoyed this season going forward. It had a couple things I didn't like. Um, as I said, with, with Discovery, you know, it's, it's, I preferred season two a lot for season one, but I still enjoyed season one for what it was. And yeah, for me, this is better than Voyager, better than Enterprise, and better than early TNG, right? It's, I, I still, it's still not the best trick, right? That still goes to DS9, in my opinion. That, you know, DS9 will always be, be on the shelf, on the top shelf for me, as of best track. And, 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 and that team song, though, that team song, right. I mean, yeah. Right. Yeah, but it's still, it's still solid track for me. This was this was great. I, I really enjoyed the, the the finale. The finale was just a big old epic battle. Like you know, the Orville had an epic battle this season, and this one was just like, you know, they were spending money, dread. Like Angle, like this shit does look like a fucking movie at times, dread. They really yeah, yeah, dread. Like season one, if you think season one was good, the cinematography in this season is excellent. Um, they were really spending money. Um, I mean, it's not trick, you know. They they they're not gonna fuck around, dread. They're gonna make it. Feel like 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 a movie. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got that from the first season anyway. Yeah, and the, the finale, the finale really did that. Like the battle, the final battle, the final big battle when you find out well, well who who versus who at the end. When it was a little cluttered, a little cluttered. Um, but I thought um it was just glorious too. Um, and it, oh, another thing, just a quick mention. It have a couple of uh, Nolan references in this. 
you know, a couple of Nolan stuff, like little Nolan moments that they clearly take from Nolan films. If you can find them, you'll see them. Um, yeah, well, I'm, well, I'm a Nolan fan, so I, 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 right. I would know them when they happen. You'll know what, I, you'll immediately pick up, oh shit, that's just, that's clearly from this, or at least Nolan did it first, but you know, he borrowed from other ideas, but they, you know, Nolan did it first in terms of like, when you see certain shots and, and stuff like that, um, it just, well, by the way, it's uh, just a quick spoiler. I'll say, um, all I'll say is that there's a big news issue. There's something in the news in terms of the, uh, in, the, in the scientific community and astronomy, and that's it, this. Like, that's the reference I'll just see. You right. know, if you know okay. what, if you're coming from. That's about it. That's the only, the only kind of quote-unquote quick spoiler I'll say in terms of like where Nolan's reference is coming from. That's about mm-hmm. it. Uh, yeah, I, I can't be mad at this. I really, really enjoy this. Mostly because of the ending. Um, the ending, if, 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 if they decided to pull the trigger on this, they have a couple signs that they're not going to pull the trigger, but if they're pulling the trigger on this, I will be very, very happy because basically it's implied that Discovery is going to get something, something akin to a soft reboot and they're going to do the thing that I always wanted them to do, which is post Nemesis content. Please. Um... If they're doing that, if they decide to not do it and give us more prequel stuff, then boo. But I really hope that they stick stick to their guns and give us some some post nemesis content and go forward with, with the story as it is. I really hope Discovery gets that soft reboot and go forward uh, with the narrative with the ending that they do here. But the ending was like basically stitching together and explaining away everything that that all the fans and all the, the, the haters was um complaining about. Right? Yeah, okay, it's a quick quick one off one two lines, but that is good enough. Right? Trek supposed to be about exploration. The name of the show is called Discovery. Let's discover some shit finally. Please. It was great. I still enjoyed it. Anson Mount was great. Ethan Peck was great. All the actors were great. Um, special effects, awesome. Had little dopey moments here or there in, in, the, in the writing, but I didn't have a big problem. It's fine. Uh, right, so, so is this going to be top 10 for you as far as TV shows go for this year? Um, I'm sure. I have no idea yet. I have to see the rest of the show. Um, rest of the, yeah, but yeah, this, this so far is, is I've been enjoying this. I, just, I can't be mad at this. I mean, these people have gone out of their way to entertain me, especially with that finale. And I would say mission fucking accomplished. They did a great nice. job with this. <laughs> uh, great direction all around, you know, just shit was just hard. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I thoroughly dug this, this second season for Star Trek Discovery. Um, all right, well, so well that, rate it, rate it, man. <laughs> uh, pretty high. I'll give this like a, a, good, a good 8 out of 10. Um, I just enjoyed this what it was. Um, I, I can't be mad at this at all. All right. Well, um, last question I want to ask. Um, how did the Star Trek community, <laughs> I imagine on Reddit, all that, you know, you know what, how, how did they take to... Well, again, as usual... No, no, it's the usual stuff. Like, most people who defend the show defend the show. Other people um, didn't defend it. The ending has, as I said, the ending is, is good, JJ. Uh, you know what I mean by that? As in stuff real moving fast and they do the action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I love yeah. that. I, I love that about but, Gigi. Uh, exactly. That, yeah. But there are people who will just completely, like, constantly bitch about, like, some small thing. Like, it, the episode has one moment that is genuinely a mistake. Like, they really do a clumsy job of handling one thing in the plotline involving the death of a certain character. And I was like, yeah, guys, you know, you could have do this this way or this this other way. Like, as usual, you know, you could have come up with a bunch of engineering solutions to, to solve it in, in the same time period. You had to address the issue and they didn't do it. I was like, oh, well, why didn't you just do that? Uh, whatever. That's the only mistake. It's like, yeah, they, they kind of duped it. But other than that, I was like, I didn't have a problem with it most of If you're still in the show, you'll still keep hating on the show. It's that. Um, you know, if you're not into it, you're not into it. But what I've noticed is that everybody who bitching about the show didn't actually watch the fucking show. That is my problem. So they keep <laughs> complaining about things. 
they keep complaining about things that oh but this don't make sense and this is so inconsistent and it's like yeah but you should explain that like if you did watch it you would have know come on you, you know you kind of not into the discussion in good faith so that is my problem and i and I, look i'm not a big stand for the show you know i just watch the show i'm watching it and i enjoying it it's better than plenty track i watch it worse than some track i watch it's not it's not in between on average it's actually slightly better slightly better off track because you know they have hindsight the writers have a lot of hindsight with respect to track so it's better than a lot of track it's better than all of voyager in my opinion i'm in that right. camp better than almost all of enterprise in my opinion i'm in that camp as well um it's better than a lot of tng in my opinion i'm in that camp as well um so the show you know the show have its dong dong moments but it have a lot of great um so that's it i i defend the show for what it is um nice me. yeah and, and as so. a non-trekkie i i mean i enjoyed um the season one and i enjoy right. gg abraham's films i enjoy right. some if not all of the you know the prior movies well the the ones that matter right. you know the the ones that uh even numbers i heard those ones are always the best except for right. um nemesis Ugh, right but <laughs> yeah yeah but no, yeah I, but I, I keep telling people that look the reason why the jj jj abrams know, films the jj right. films don't work well, the, out the trilogy so- sorry the trilogy yeah right but what, what the purpose of the jj films was just not to be like this brilliant thing but just to save track track effectively died Right. Yeah, I remember Effect. Star Wars was big in the two thousands, right? So JJ come and say, "Hey, well, no, we, got make, we got we got make Star Trek badass now, and that's why you know, yeah, Star well, well, the first Star Trek, which came out ten years ago, by the yeah, way, you know, it was what was. But not only them, it's also a critical failure. The fans hated it, but it didn't make money. Like at least make money. Like you know, making money and and, and appealing to box office is is one of the, in my opinion, one of the lowest, you know, um, crappiest. Um, reference points to go with, but still, you know, is a is a, a hacky talking point. But still, come on, like, yeah, it's it Star Trek. You know, people want to see Star Trek. Come on, you know, right? So yeah. I, I just yeah. So whatever. I I defend Discovery clearly. You know, a lot of Discovery has its you know J.J. Abrams influence in it. But I I, dug, I dig the show for what it is. Um, I I enjoy this for what it is. It's actually a really good show. And yeah, as I say, the debate is, is like with early, early um, DS9. A lot of people used to shit on DS9 too. And then now DS9 went on to become, in my opinion, the best Star Trek. And yeah. I'm not alone in saying that. So whatever. Um, Discovery, if Discovery does what I think it should do, and they go forward with it going forward, it will be the best, if not one of the best Trek series um, going forward. Because you have so much exploration to do. And I say the name of the show is Discovery. Please actually discover things. Um, so that is it. Nice, later. Nice. Well, great review, man. Great review. I'm definitely going to check it out for sure. Who knows? It might make it to my top ten. You know, TV best TV yeah, show. Yeah, you'll dig the out of it because it's good. A lot of good sci-fi. Yeah, and and that's what I want. That's what I want in the end of the day. Right. All right. So in closing, now we have a movie that um I here's what. So here's what happened, right? I'd explain myself first, right? So I had a choice between Hellboy the remake and yeah. Pet Cemetery. Now, yeah. I never saw the original Pet Cemetery, right? So okay, okay. I actually watched it, uh, well, the day before yesterday, right? Then yesterday, right. got caught up with a bunch of errands, just had to go by my grandmother, help my dad out with some work, so I just didn't get any time to go cinema, right? But after watching the original Pet Cemetery, I was like, wait, this is it? This is... Yeah. So this, this is like kind of shit, though. So I, I did yeah. that that it was, it, was, it was a faithful remake of it, it's better, but it's the same story. And personally, yeah. I just wasn't wowed by the story. I thought that they could have done so much with the story, with the concept. I was just like, 
yeah, I I just kind of feel to watch over watch over, you know, this a new version of the same story which was just dumb, right? So I decided to go for Hellboy. Now I I was hearing about two months or so that yeah, Hellboy is guaranteed to flop and Hellboy is gonna yeah. suck, right? So of oh, course, early reviews come out and say the same thing. Hellboy is one of the worst movies of the year. But I was no. I really wanted to go in. And because yesterday was 420, right? I just want to go in just to laugh at a bad movie now. But unfortunately, right. I didn't get around to it, right? But uh, Ricardo, I know you, well, yeah, clearly you saw it before 420, right? But I don't know, personally, I just want to see how bad, bad. The reason me and, and I'll stop here, is that it's Hellboy, Jed, and like, I'm not a fan of the comics or the animated movies, but I did really enjoy, I would say, Love almost the Del Toro movies, you know the yeah, well, the, one, yeah um, the first one. I think it's a great setup to the world of Hellboy. Um, what I like about it too, similar to um, to Pacific Rim, is that you could tell that he was trying things out. He's like, all right, what if I try this character here? What if this character could do could do this? What if we try this right. little joke here and these little things, right? So. If they didn't quite work out, because there were a few things in the first Hellboy movie that didn't really quite work out, right? All right, I have Hellboy 2, Golden Army, which I absolutely love. And even Del Toro will go out to the way say this is one of his favorite movies that he ever made, right? And I totally agree, right? He just took everything, all the little, you know, stuff that he was experimenting with and just went all in, you know? It was just, you know, we're going to go all fantastical and all imaginative with it. I, we have an elf doing kung fu. We have an elf doing kung fu with the spear thing. Like I love that that one yeah. shot of the elf doing the little um, kata. I just love that. I can just watch that any day, Dread. But it was just such a blast. It was just such a fun movie, Dread. So, of course, we were like, all right, we're gonna get Hellboy three, and then it was like, well, nah, because I know I just uh, feeling to do Hellboy three. But then he brought out Pacific Rim, you know, and I thought, all right, well, we're gonna get it soon. It's like, no, well. I I just don't do it. And well, now the man is an Oscar winning director. So he's like, well, I, I be on this now. I be on doing, you know, commercial stuff like Blade 2 and Hellboy and whatnot. But hey, let me give it to some. Let me actually reboot the damn thing. Well, I don't know whose decision right. it was. I imagine it's some studio, I guess. So yeah, they, they decided to reboot the thing, get Neil Marshall to direct it and make it R rated. So I said to myself, well, all right, well. Because I never read the comics or watched the animated films or remember the animated films, I would say, I was like, all right, well, this is what Hellboy is supposed to be. It's supposed to be grim and dark because, yeah, the first movie in particular was leading on that side, but it was PG-13, so it had your light-hearted moments and whatnot. It was just it was just a blast, right? It was just so much fun, right? But with yeah. this one, I thought that, all right, we got to get the Hellboy that was supposed to be. This is really what Hellboy is supposed to be there. And then, well... Reviews start, start coming out. Movies trash, movies garbage. But I still wanted to see it though. But anyway, Ricardo, you saw it. Take it away. <sighs> but wait, but um, before you get into New Hellboy, um, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on the first two Hellboy movies? Right. Yeah. I I I dig the first two Hellboys for what they were. Um, I I don't remember loving them, loving them, but just they're just good. Like they're just really good. They, you know, costume design. Selma Blair is great in this. Yes. Um, I forget. Um, the, the, the will, um, not, um, I was gonna say John Hurt for a sec. Uh, William Hurt, I played the William the, Hurt, uh, right? Yeah, 
is in it as well. Um, well, we forgot to mention um, the lead himself. You know, I thought that well, of course he he worked on a ton of Del Toro movies and whatnot, but he was near perfect in my opinion as Hellboy. And one thing in particular I really loved too was the world building, right? How they incorporate a lot of history, a lot of you know myths and legends, and just make it into this this crazy con- con- um, concoction that yeah, I know you just can't help but enjoy. You know what I mean? But yeah, continue. Yeah, 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 and and yeah. Well, of course, and then Hell, Hellboy himself, he's like you know the classic, um, you know, big actor to go for Hellboy. You can't go wrong with he. Yeah, I mean, uh, it is be- it is the beast from Beating the Beast, right, Ron Pillman. And yeah, yeah he kind of played the whole beast character again, right? So it was perfect. Right. And was there was there a TV series with him for Hellboy? Um, no, no, live for, action. No, Ron Pillman at a Beating the Beast show, right? Yes, in oh, the 80s with uh with Linda Hamilton. Well, post right. Terminator One. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah I, I grew up. On, I grew up on that shit. But I don't know. Like, if I just watch piece like snippets of it now, I'll be like, wait, this was actually a thing though. Like in the 80s, wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but and... clearly, El Toro saw that show. I was like, all right, I need to cast him in my, my debut movie, which was on um, Chronos, by the way. Still a decent movie, but as we said earlier, I think when we talked about the Shape of Water, it's a debut film, so you know debut mistakes yeah. here there but it's still a, a, a solid debut film right but yeah right and so yeah I, I i dug those films for what they were right they were solid um the second film was just great costume stuff and you know you can't be mad at any other um and then so when they announced this new one i was like mm, you don't have a good film because it was re- make them bullshit you see how you had to sell good bullshit is you had to have a good filmmaker behind it if you don't have yes. somebody in the level of the tour in terms of talent, it is going to come across like bullshit. You're going to get... Well, when I see this girl in it, I was like, all right, well, we know, I know I'm going to get some bullshit. Yep, um, you, yeah, me, me, Mila Jojovic, or Jojovic, yeah, however you pronounce his name. Like, yeah. uh, now, if, if Paul W.S. Anderson was, was helping this way, I'm like, yeah. nope, no, 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 no. And even, I imagine the studio themselves was like, nah, boy, we got to get somebody else with more credibility. And again, right. Neil Marshall, of all people, who, I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of his work, but I did really enjoy The Descent. Right. And, uh, he he so made I... some, some decent, well, he made two of the best episodes, actually, of Game of Thrones, direct them, cool. um, Blackwater and The Watchers on the Wall, one of my all-time favorite episodes. But yeah, right. I mean, Neil Marshall is, is good. He's good, but yeah. Right. So I was like, all right, so I'm not so worried about it, but, you know, they still could kind of F it up now. And then I started hearing news about it. I was like, oh, boy worried and i went in and i went in with the as low as possible decided to get drunk low as possible standards and i had some fun with this a little bit right. some fun but only because i'm a state of mind if i was a serious in serious mental state shape like i was going in with other movies i'd probably really hate this bullshit um right. it's bullshit let us be clear about that movie's terrible um yeah. but they had a, yeah, yeah. a bunch of they had a bunch of decent enough ideas to say, way well, they could have do... Because there's a lot of talent. Let's be, fair, let's be fair about that. There's a lot of talent in this. So it was a little unfortunate to see them not make a better effort at this in terms of storytelling. Because they had a couple moments, and then had a post, like a post, like credit scene kind of thing. That was pretty good. And I was like, yeah, well, where was all of this? Um, the main plot itself was okay. Like, it was, well, they're doing Excalibur and, well, it's Morgana, right? That was the villain, right? Forget her right. actual name. But it's basically Morgana. Like, it's evil witch Excalibur shit. Yeah, yeah. So that arc, and she want to bring back some demons and 
All of that was cool. Like it had some, it had moments. Right. Uh, what what question? Did they do the brilliant. whole? Did they do the whole thing about? Well, Hell Hellboy is the harbinger of the apocalypse. So yeah, you know, once he joins with this, you know, the whole thing where he has his two horns, or like when he right. no, yeah, oh. when his horns grow grow back, you know, he'll bring about the end of the world. They do that, right? Pretty much because well, well, he harbors. He has the capability of harboring Excalibur as well. Oh, that's okay. That's he gets the powers. Right. Okay. Okay. That's what they did with it. So I was like, oh, okay, well, that ain't so bad, though. This is not the yeah, worst yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, I could, I could work with that, yeah. Yeah, big I guy, so big guy wheeling, a, wheeling Excalibur. I, I could see that, yeah. Right, and so that's what, so, and then when he wheels Excalibur or, or, or delineates that power, um, he, you know, he brings all the demons up. And, like, all of that stuff was great. Like, the stuff with the demons. Like, well, we'll do that. Because all of that stuff was great. Like, all of that violence and... All that shit going down, and like, oh, this is real hard. Yeah. But then, uh, um, I, I did hear that that visual wise, or at least the the VFX in it, the the visual effects was uh, kind of any shit side though. Yeah, it was pretty hit or miss. But it, it's a budget, it's, it's a budget rendering thing. Like, clearly the imagination behind it worked. So all of, like the, the set design and stuff, like what it was going for, was great. But yeah, the actual rendering of the final product was like, oh, they're gonna do more money. <laughs> Like it, it's just it's just money. Like clearly, it's just a budgeting. It's not like it's not a creative failure. It's just right. a budgeting, and I just it's a shame that it because you know you know what this was like. It was it was basically Pacific Rim uprising all over again. Ah, that's what it was. It's that, but the only difference is that because I didn't have giant robots, I didn't give a fuck. Yeah, and admittedly, uh, while I did not like uprising, it was still. Fun, like as a right. Saturday so morning it, cartoon it kind of fun. Right. So it fall, the sad part is that it, it falls into the trash with my kind of trash thing domain. But because it's not my kind of trash, it's just trash. But I can imagine people out there who would be yet yeah, their kind of trash. Because right. if they if into the Eldridgean, Lovecraftian demon stuff, you would be you would love it. Because they have some really good moments in this. Some like they had like some real violent moments. I'm like, yeah, this like if I was a fan of this stuff and this kind of style and I would have loved this. It's right. a really a shame to get a good, a better filmmaker to sit down with this, or at least well, the filmmaker good, but like he just didn't, just didn't business. Yeah, um, uh, but but question the the whole R rating work right in terms of the violence and the yeah, yeah, language yeah, yeah. and stuff. Like it works yeah, yeah. in the world of Hellboy, or it just felt too too forced. No, no, well, it, it halfway, halfway. I mean, it, it, some of it is more oh, we we just doing edge lord. Oh, we just need to be badass kind of stuff. But other stuff, it was fine. And again, more I'm more cracking up in, in not so much as the 420 timing of it, but more well, all of this going on on Eastern. Like okay, love. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I, I I have to hate it because I do, I should say a lot like this. I don't hate it, but it sucks. And because I don't I don't I don't have I don't have my sensibilities as a as what it's supposed to do. I can't like it either. And I didn't it didn't feel like a complete waste of my time. Because it had, like, a lot of creative ideas here. Like, a lot of talent was involved in this. It's just a shame they couldn't stitch this together better. It's kind of bullshit. Right. I have to give it a low score. Yeah. Take it away. I, give it, I still give it a low score. It gets in a really low CC8. <laughs> mm. Get a CC8, low one. But I can imagine somebody liking this, kind of. Um, but, yeah, I can imagine some people just real heating and, and jumping on this one. Um, Harbour is okay. 
but you know it just kind of fall flat he, his, his performance isn't, isn't special um uh, uh, what, McShane, what about um well i mean ian mcshane could do no wrong i guess but what uh, about um or, or, or was he bad he was just there you know phoning it in just phoning right, it really, in. which, 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 he, which he could tend to do at times, and no offense, he, he right. could tend to fall right. in this performance, right? Right. What about um, Miss Miss um, Miss Alice from <laughs> Resident Evil? Right. She? she was pretty bad. And look, it have a pun involved in her at the end. Like, oh my god, they did not just say that. But it's a really bad pun. Like when she when they defeat her, I was like, oh, are they fucking doing this? <laughs> like, are they serious? Um, editing was a mess. Everything just didn't gel together. Um, it didn't work in 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 almost every way, but. Uh, just can't get myself to truly hate it. So, CC it. It didn't get the, it didn't get the out, outright bullshit terrible, but it just, it just, it's still really bad, <laughs> sadly. Right, um, right. It's one of those that really, they could have spent more time on it. They could have really spent more time on it. But uh, or, or maybe they just need Del Toro's presence. Like, he just needs to be there and talk to them and the, maybe they could get more inspired to, to put out some better. I don't but, that's, but that's the thing is that again it's, it's like with the Pacific Rim thing now it's like yeah you could have sit down and get somebody to sit down and make a better job of the, the narrative now but they didn't, they didn't try or yeah. they didn't seem to no, so that's it <sighs> such, such yeah. a shame that's such a shame yeah such a shame it's, it's a shame alright <laughs> so with all that being said Ricardo where can we find you online so you could find me Ampersat R-M-E-D-D-Y on Twitter and then you can just type in Ricardo Medina on Facebook and that's it all right, on Twitter, you can find me at uh, Bear Beat Bailey. Bear Beat Bailey. Also on Instagram, you can find me at Bears Beats and Bailey. Uh, Facebook, just look for any match Bailey, along with a legally black blog, official fan base, where you will find a link to this podcast here, as well as the other stuff we've done over the past few years, including retrospect reviews. So, right. uh, stuff to look forward to. I mean, there, there, there's only one show, right? There's only one show. And the reason why we just had to pack this episode with so much stuff even though yeah, some of it was pretty mediocre was because that there's only one show to talk about yeah. going, you know yeah. in this well in the next episode actually of course yes. just Endgame I'm yes. so excited for this um, yes. right now I have a plan in my head a little structure as to what time I'm heading on to IMAX I'm making right. sure I, I'm still deliberating whether I should buy something to eat at the cinema but I think I'll just go with my stomach full and then go buy some right. after the right. show, you know what I mean? But no, I, I don't tell you. Listen, I don't tell you. I beat it. I don't beat you by you, eh? So, right. And we gotta yeah. walk up. <laughs> All that That's... can work too. All that can work too. But yeah, yeah, I am just so excited for this. I'm um, saying, well, I... yeah, to borrow a line from the trailer, this 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 movie better be good because I don't know what I'm gonna do if if it isn't. Yeah, um, you know, um, yeah. you know, and when we are you walking, you know, I'll just say, but you do you trust me? I do. <laughs> <laughs> No, but um, I this is this is a big one. As I said, we, we mentioned before, this is like Lord of the Rings Return of the King all over again. I really, really hope we do a good job with this. I really hope they, they do a good job and satisfy the ending. Um, I really want to see. You know, apparently it have leaks online already. Yeah, I was um, about to mention that. I'm like, if anybody tell me what happened in those leaks, right? I will spoil Endgame for all you. No, but I, I just think I don't know. Um, I, I, I. I think I see one comment that's gonna say something and I just block it off. Like people say, oh, they they watch four minutes of footage. They're like, brother, that's four fucking minutes of footage. Come on, like you exactly. want to watch exactly. What person? What person was like? Well, it wasn't really anything much. I, I don't care. I don't care. Don't tell me that. I mean, it might have a shot or two that might spoil or something. That that's the only thing. Like somebody like leaked that, but for to have a whole 
you know, set a thing and I go and read out all of them. I can't read the first two lines, I don't lock off. I don't know what it is, so come on. I mean, yeah. I'm going to read it. Whatever. So, to me, people who want spoil, who get their stuff spoiled, they want, to, they want to get spoiled. They want their stuff spoiled. Exactly. I find it kind of it's yeah, not ridiculous but... people think. Unless somebody beam that shit in my eyes while I play a video game or something. Like, what the fuck? How are you going to let us get spoiled for you? Whatever. You know? Uh, but, but the two things I'm worried about, though, right? Before we, we, we lock off. One, memes. Sometimes, sometimes it's can't control it. You know what I mean? Like, like um, yeah. I, I think it was like roughly a day or so or before. Uh, the day itself I was going to watch um, uh, Infinity War, I saw somebody who not even... In, do do even deal up with, with movie reviews? Put up something about the whole dust thing, right? It's like, right, hey, right, right. oh, right. So that has right. to be worried about. Also, YouTube thumbnails. I'll be careful because I have a feeling that people in the states might get this movie a day before us. And no, 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 we put yeah, a little picture them. or before them. Yeah, we can before them. I think we are. Ah, okay, okay, okay. But these we get now at the same time. And they get so it Friday, get... right? Yeah, they get it on this Friday, I think. All right, all right, cool. But still, I'd, I'd be very mindful of, of, of thumbnails, right? Very mindful. Right. But yeah, other than that, though, yes, folks, this uh, well, this upcoming episode, we will be talking all things Endgame. Um, right. And we will get to the spoilers, of course. But, you know, I just know we're going to have a blast just talking about that show. And of course, we're going to have an even bigger blast just watching the movie. I just want to be moved by this. I want to call this the best movie of 20 years. Yeah, yeah, I really, Even I really though we kind of early in, but still, I, I, I have that spot you know clear for that right now right as i said as i said as I, I said i'm not too hyped for it because i you know i had lord of the rings to the king i was telling i was telling my younger cousin like yeah this is your lord of the rings to the king and he was like he was barely he barely remembered no. he had no like almost no memory of that film um especially when it came out so it's like great like right. we'll see that um so great yeah, and I, I i really didn't know this is the last time you're probably gonna get i gotta get anything like this in my lifetime i've been being genuinely excited to go to a theater to go and see something so yeah, I hope, I hope things work out and we, we get through that. I as I say, I go see you on the day, brother. Yes, yes, yes. Go yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> That's pretty much about it. So once again, guys, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, whenever this is. This was Match Bailey Ricardo Medino. And we are signing off for another episode of BSB Bailey. So until the next one, until end game, take care, peace. <laughs>